Yep, that right there is Clint's new girlfriend. Uh, Fun fact, he likes them old. Welcome <laughs> back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Zerkardowski here of the best politicalshow.com, and we have an awesome two-hour live broadcast available to you here today, as, of course, the news is absolutely crazy and ridiculous, as we have a new report coming from a J.P. Morgan strategist predicting that Joe Biden will not be in this 2024 presidential election. There's also a lot of really interesting things to talk about when it comes to the story of the decade, as there's a a lot of memes, a lot of videos, a lot of documents that we are going to be delving into probably in the second hour of this broadcast. So make sure to send this link to your friends, to your family members. As for the next two hours, the conversation is definitely going to be absolutely amazing, absolutely incredible, and you could participate in that conversation. And one simple and easy way for you to do that is by signing up to lukeunfiltered.com. We have memberships for as low as $8 a month right now that allow you to actually call into the show. You also get a plethora of a lot of really incredible offers of value, a forum in real life meetups, masterclasses, seed oil cards, you name it. It's all available on LukeUnfiltered.com. Your memberships also go towards supporting and sustaining this independent media organization that proudly doesn't sell out. We are supported by you, the viewer, and your support is more crucial than ever. Another way that you could participate is, of course, through Rumble Rants, Super Chats, or as we prefer, you using MySuperChat.com, a service that only takes 3% of a cut not 30% like YouTube does. So if you want to super chat any and all super chats, rumble rants, or mysuperchats.com will, of course, be read uh, throughout the conversation as we will, of course, be having a very interesting conversation with the one and only Tom Woods. Tom, for the people who might not know you, who are you and how would you introduce yourself? Well, I used to say I graduated from Harvard, Luke, but that's not my first credential anymore. I'm the host of the Tom Woods Show, which you might call the Second best political show. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. I'll, I, I'll agree. I jumped on the, the radar bit when I wrote the Politically Incorrect Guide to American History 20 years ago. Um, I helped Ron Paul create his homeschool program, K-12. through And the most recent of my 13 books is called Diary of a Psychosis, about the, let's just say, the episode we endured for the past few years, but we won't mention its name. Not, not until yeah, we, we, we can't mention it here, but we got the book here. <laughs> and uh, probably a lot of the discussions from this book will have to happen on uh, Rumble. But thank you so much for, for, for coming down. It, it's awesome to have you. There's a lot of history, especially when it comes to the Ron Paul days and era, as it looks like there's also a kind of resurgence of a lot of political candidates trying to say that they're libertarian and anarchist right now. We're going to get into that plus a lot more, as, of course, you were playing a very instrumental role, I think, in the Ron Paul levolution that was very That's, important for our how I met you. Yeah. I met you at one of those things. Absolutely. No, uh, crazy. The heydays of the real Tea Party, not the hijacked Tea Party. We'll get into it, plus a lot more. We have Clint here, who is, um, <sighs> some would say, a, a libertarian grifter, oh. a newbie. He's 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 the, the fresh one. He's the freshman on, uh, on the field. Goodness gracious. Grift. There's no money in this game, so I hope, it's, I hope I'm not grifting. I, believe me, I wish I didn't believe in libertarianism. It would be way more profitable. Uh, Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, uh, Co-host of Tower Gang and also, most importantly, co-host of this fine program, thebestpoliticalshow.com. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in once again. If you want to follow me, at Liberty LibertyLockPod on X. Got 117,000 over there. I really appreciate it. Steph is on the buttons. What's up, Steph? Steph, we are change pushing the buttons. 
Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's just get into the first story of discussion, and that is this new J.P. Morgan strategist coming out with a report that uh, is pretty fascinating. Now, there's allegedly 10 shockers, according to the Daily Mail, about the predictions that this man made. Michael Ballast, he's a guy that, of course, J.P. Morgan relies on a lot of uh, information from. And one of the shocking things that he came out with and he is predicting for this 2024 year is that Joe Biden will actually not be running for the presidency and will drop out because of poor health. Now, um, I don't think you need to be an expert predictor to understand that Joe Biden is in poor health. The larger question is, will the establishment, will the system still be rolling out this skin suit, this, this puppet of the establishment, or will they throw him away and use somebody else that is brand new for the role of, of puppet of the United States. What do you guys think here? What do you make of this prediction as a lot of people are talking about it right now, but, but it's something that a lot of people have been uh, thinking about for a long time, especially even in the Democratic establishment where there's a lot of mainline people, particularly from the Obama faction of the Democratic Party saying, hey, yeah, he's pretty old. He should drop out immediately. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm hesitant to even say this just simply because I didn't think that Biden could actually get through the campaign in 2020. His health was so uh, clearly deteriorating at that time. The fact that he's made it this far, the fact that they continue to juice him up before all of his stump speeches, and like periodically he will have these flashes of his old, also not good self, but like just he seems as if he's somewhat, somewhat high functioning. But I swear to God, he's methed out when he's doing that. So. If he if he can make if he can make it through the past three years, maybe he can keep going. But I I, I tend to agree with this analyst that he's probably going to bow out. Uh, not so much because of his health, but rather because his his improvement ratings are so low. Hey, meth was pretty popular, especially with the the Germans in the 1940s uh, and their political leadership that heavily relied on it. Yeah. And, and that, their that worked out great. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That. There was definitely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no downside there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just crazy people shaking, going crazy <laughs> as they're uh, calling armies to go to war, and uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, not, not, not really, uh, not really something that. Uh, it brings confidence to the system. No. I, I think the Biden administration is is kind of unraveling the larger theater at play here. So this is why I personally am endorsing BidenFetterman.com for the presidency, because <laughs> what better way to show the system for, for what it actually is than by having some of the most inadequate individuals at the helm of power who aren't really there. If there ever was a case for the deep state, I, I think the Biden presidency proves it. I don't know what, what you think, Tom. But I, I think it's pretty indicative that that guy's not in charge. The, the guy has a Fisher Price uh, Play-Doh set of the Oval Office where the buttons are pushed, but they don't really do anything. Reminds me of the old website they used to have uh, for American Idol. It wasn't affili affiliated with the show. It was called VoteForTheWorst.com, and they would encourage you to vote for by far the worst singer on the show as a way of undermining the whole show. And so I, there's a kind of analogy with Biden here. I don't know. I'd be willing to make a, a gentleman's bet with old Clint here. Because I made a gentleman's bet with David Stockman, who was Reagan's uh, director of the Office of Management and Budget, because he thought they were going to drive Trump out before the end of his term. And I said, no way. He's in for the whole thing. So I won that, but it was only a gentleman's bet. And he's pro and, and Stockman's probably worth $20 million. I don't know why I didn't put a little, <laughs> little dough in the game. Put some, but, put some weight on it. But I think they're probably going to stay with him because um, yeah, the, num the numbers, a lot can change between now and then. And also... Um, 
we, we look at him and we think, how can anybody vote for this guy? Like, it's impossible. But what we forget is that there is a solid 40% that will vote for him no matter what. That sure. absolutely no matter what. So then it becomes a fight for the independents. And I think they're banking on Trump is going to get at least one felony charge. And if, he, if that happens... The independents don't like felons. And, you, and we can talk all day long about how these are trumped-up charges and they're using the legal system and exploiting it in all kinds of terrible ways, and I agree completely. But I think that is going to make it a lot harder for Trump and easier for Biden. I think they're, they're crossing their fingers that that'll happen. And, and I think a lot of people need to also think about the larger kind of Democratic voting base and machine that was kind of utilized uh, over in 2020 when it comes to kind of mail-in ballots, when it comes to ballot yeah. harvesting, and when it comes to a big advantage that the Democrats have, especially when it comes to ballot harvesting in major city areas. The, the Republicans, the conservatives have an uphill battle because they literally have to drive from house to house in rural kind of suburban areas, all the, the people have to do in major urban environments is get the Zuckerbucks that Mark Zuckerberg financed them. He gave hundreds of, of millions of dollars to this voting effort that predominantly was in major Democratic areas where specifically people just walked into one building, were able to hand out ballots, take the ballots back, and then uh, put them into the ballot box, essentially securing a huge voter base of individuals just saying, yeah, sure, I'll sign my name here. Yeah, sure, I'll just vote for the Democrats. They make it very easy for the Democrats to vote. And uh, I, I would say we shouldn't um, we, we should think about that, especially with the huge numbers of people moving into the cities, especially with the with the migrant crisis, especially with um, everything happening in major blue areas where they are solidifying a huge voter base that will have an impact here. And even though Trump's leading in the polls, it still could be extremely close. Yeah. So I'm going with Biden stays in. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I. I... I'm not going to say that it's it's in, impossible that he's on the ballot come November. I, I think it's a distinct possibility, actually. But um, in terms, like, so there's there's rumors right now that, or there's reports that that Obama is actually uh, concerned about Biden's electability. And I and for those that are of the belief that Biden is or uh, Obama is really the the person that's in charge of this administration, uh, I think that his his words carry a lot of weight. So if he's if he pulls the plug on Biden. Uh, then I think it's a done deal. Um, I think that the the real question is who's the heir apparent, and there isn't one. I mean, Gavin Newsom, they seem to have attempted to kind of shove him down America's throat. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that in a little bit with okay. the predictive market because sure. I actually have the predictive markets in front of us, especially um, the polling when it comes to the other potential Democratic nominees here and how their uh, how their numbers look like. But before getting into that, let's let's look let's look into this guy, this Michael Camballist guy, and his predictions because this was one of many predictions that he kind of made for this year. Another thing that he said was that the U.S. dollar would remain stable. That kind of does make sense, especially with the Fed and the Biden administration doing everything they can to stabilize the situation so they get reelected. He says that the DOJ FTC will win a big antitrust case. His third prediction is that Biden will actually withdraw. The first, fourth prediction is that there will be a backlash against driverless cars for some reason. The fifth one is that there's going to be a syndicated loan loss rise. There's going to be private credit losses for the first time. He's predicting that Argentina's dollarization will actually fail if implemented. He's predicting the Russian, the Russian invasion of Ukraine will actually drag out with no ceasefire. I actually believe in the same thing. His eighth prediction is that despite storm clouds over U.S. regional banks, the stocks will do well. 
His ninth prediction is that due to retirement of dispatchable power, major cities will face electricity outages and or natural gas outages. I kind of do see that as a possibility as well. And his 10th prediction is that researchers will complete work on inhaled uh, medical procedures that we can't talk about here on this particular broadcast. So what do you guys make of, of these predictions? Because some of them uh, I think are, are absolutely true, especially looking at the way things are going politically internationally and socially. Um, I don't know about the the driverless car backlash. I don't think we're there yet, but I think that's going to be some kind of technocratic pushback that it will be happening in the future. Yeah. I don't think in 2024. I though. mean, if, if we have power outages that are, are far-reaching, I could see a, a major backlash against uh, electric cars in particular. But um, the one that I can actually add insight on is the regional bank, uh, you know, clarity, or he's saying that they're going to basically be okay. And um, I think that that is actually likely to be the case simply because the Fed has promised three rate cuts over the next 12 months. And if if they actually follow through with that, that will help some of the bleeding that has been happening on the regional bank's books because they were sitting on on treasuries and long-term uh, debt instruments that were ultimately upside down because of the interest rate hiking cycle. If they reverse that, that will help the balance sheets of the banks, in which case I think he could be proven correct there. What do you think about all the other predictions that he made, Tom? Do any of them kind of stick out as very true or not true at all? Well, I think Russia-Ukraine is is questionable because obviously the U.S. establishment over the past at least month, maybe since October 7th, has been trying to get us thinking in other ways about Ukraine, that maybe this isn't going to go the way we told you it would and Maybe it might end up going the way that we demonized you if you said it would. You know, right. so there is a any time I feel like we're being prepped for a particular outcome, I feel like well that is one good thing. One thing they are good at they prep us for outcomes mm. when, that uh, they tried to avoid but they couldn't. So it could well be that they're prepping us for um, nothing can be done for Ukraine, so we're going to get the best we can. I don't. I don't think it's really up to the West, per se. Like, it's really up to Russia whether or not that war drags on because I, from from all of my reading and studying of this, it seems as if they're in the catbird seat and they they have, their trenches are basically, their, their battle lines are drawn. If they want to take more land, they certainly can. If they want to just secure what they've already uh, attained, I think that it's, a, it's done. So I guess that would be the quagmire uh, type of prediction is that there is no peace negotiation and they just kind of sit there and continue to bombard each other periodically. Uh, but uh, my my real question is, is Putin done? Is he going to continue to to move uh, further and further to the West? I, I tend to think not, but I, I could be proven wrong. I'm not well, sure. Well, right now, the war in Ukraine is kind of a stalemate. Right. Uh, the Russians are making some gains, but they're not really significant gains. But they're taking back essentially what Ukraine did during their major counteroffensive, which yeah. was supposed to end this war. And of course, it, it didn't. In the beginning of this war, Russia kind of came to the negotiation table and said, hey, let's, let's work something out here. Let's have a truce here. The West intervened. Boris Johnson flew down. The State Department came down and said, no, 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 we're not negotiating out at all. Now there are reports of the West coming to Russia saying, hey, let's negotiate. And Russia saying, nope, not happening here. Um, and, and with this kind of situation, if there is more of a heavy uh, loss for the Ukrainians, I still see, because there's so many mercenaries from Latin America. There's so many Colombians also fighting right now in Ukraine. There's so many international legions of, of soldiers for hire fighting on the Ukrainian side right now um, with, with already a depleting U Ukrainian population. 
if they would lose Ukraine during an election year, that would be absolutely detrimental to the Democratic Party, Democratic establishment. So I would say that they would do everything in their power not to lose it until after the election. And then after the election, I think we're going to get uh, a negotiation right away. I think we're going to find out right away that this war is not winnable. We told you it wasn't winnable. The people who were critical of this war from the very beginning were right. And there's a lot of powerful people who will sacrifice countless numbers of lives to make sure that they're never proven right, which is absolutely sad as an entire generation of Ukrainian young, young men has been wiped off the face of this earth for what? And, and, and again, if people just listened to the anti-war movement, which, again, we have no representation on the corporate media. If people just listened to Elon Musk and his proposal that individuals were calling treasonous when it came to his um, kind of proposal for a ceasefire here, the Ukrainians would have been way better off. And yeah. if you truly cared about the Ukrainians, you would have been calling for a ceasefire from the very beginning, which we were. And uh, now what was achieved here? Nothing. Just more and more losses for the country, the people, and uh, the future of any kind of stability in the region. Kind of goes to show how, how sick our political dynamic is that, like, if, if Biden were to negotiate peace and just have them settle on the land that's been acquired so far, that would be perceived as a political failure, you know? And I just think that's, that's a really tragic state of affairs that instead of going... Okay, the U.S. president inter- intervened to help stop the bloodshed, and we can go like, "Good job." No, that's a loss. That's that's political defeat, and and I just think that's it's kind of kind of upside down. Well, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt actually won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, because he he actually tried to hold off a war or or, or bring a uh, bring a war to a successful close uh, mm. uh, in Russia and Japan. But these days, we don't associate U.S. presidents with. Uh, Bringing an end to hostilities. Nope. And uh, but by the way, the one 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 thing that is makes me feel, I don't know, a little bit white pilled, is that I know that uh, Nikki Haley has a lot of big money behind her and big interests behind her, and they're really trying to make her the challenger to Trump. But the fact is, if if I had asked, I think um, really anybody in our movement, ten twelve years ago, do you think in twenty twenty four the obvious neocon candidate? would be getting absolutely killed in the polls. You know, I don't think anybody would have predicted just how fast yeah. that whole thing deflated. And so that, you know, that's something. I mean, well, she, and, and with so much money behind her, too, and so much positive media, and yet she still can't really make a dent in, in the Trump uh, movement just simply because I think that the American people, at least the right wing, are very much not interested in intervening in, in the rest of the world. And that's, to me, that's the amazing thing, yeah. is that what, what happened on the right wing that all of a sudden you hear them talking about no-win wars and neocon wars. Yeah. I mean, look, Vivek talks about neocons in an in a negative way. What in the where, where'd Mitt Romney's party go and how did it how did it go away so fast? That that's one you know, now that these people the people the anti-neocons are not all correct about everything, but if you're good on war and U.S. intervention, I'll take that. That's a pretty good advance. Yeah. Now, now, the situation in the Middle East definitely complicated uh, that, that kind it of did. scenario. It did. Uh, with a lot of people who were screaming, no more money for Ukraine, saying, we need more money for the Middle yes, East here. That, we got we to funnel it. Yeah. Absolutely but, true. But, but there still is kind of a, an American first kind of ideology that is kind of rising to the surface, that is becoming more prominent than ever, as there's a lot of principled individuals saying, no money for any war because this is stupid. This is not in the best interest 
interest of America or its people, and this is ridiculous. And there, there is a larger transition here that is worth noting that I think you mentioned, because I was there during the Bush years. I was there during, during the John McCain years, during the Mitt Romney years. Those were years where the Republicans had everything solidified for themselves. They had an, 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 an kind of, uh, it, it, this, this kind of control of the entire Republican Party, which was full on launch wars, no matter what. Uh, a project for a new American kind of doctrine that they were following, uh, a, a war doctrine that they loved and they implemented in many ways that, of course, came back and screwed over the American people more than ever. So, so this kind of um, revolution within the Republican Party is something significant that I, I think a lot of people don't pay attention to because that party was dominated by absolutely awful human beings and now there's there's a faction. There's the Thomas Macy's. There's um, the the congressman that we just did a show with. What was his name? Matt Gates. Yep. There's 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 individuals like Rand Paul who again none of these people are perfect, but they still represent an ideology that is becoming way more popular than the kind of old wing Republican Party that that is that is kind of dying out. Which yeah. is, which which it deserves to die out. And not only is it becoming popular, we have to remember this is a point of view that other than with the very unusual exception of a Ron Paul had no representation in American politics. If uh, Foreign policy was either you want to sanction and starve this country or you want to bomb the hell out of them. Those were the two choices. And then on, they'd go on the cable news TV networks and they would argue this. And there would be nobody saying these are both stupid and inhumane things that are going to do way more harm than good and cause us all kinds of problems around the world. You would never get that. Yeah. And now that's almost the dominant default position and I don't know how that happened. I mean, I, I obviously Ron Paul had a hand in it because, yes. because what he did was he made it possible for people right of center to be anti-war. He said, it's, you're not a commie if you're anti-war. It's okay. The commies actually love war because it's, it's a revolutionary thing that <laughs> right. upends societies. So you can be perfectly free to be free market and anti-war. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Well, what an evilly crafted Overton window where the two, the, the binary, uh, you know, options put on on put before you are sanction or bomb it's like and then you have ron paul come in from the wings and just be like how about no yeah <laughs> and about, everyone's like, like, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, he got more support from uh u.s army military personnel than any other presidential candidate when All he was of them put together yeah, yeah. well yeah, and, yeah. and think about think about that shift too is that even even the neocons, even if you listen to Nikki Haley, oftentimes she will try and frame her her support for funding Israel and funding Ukraine is to prevent a yes. wider war. Right. It's no longer about demonstrating our dominance on the world. It's no longer about, you know, crushing the tyrants. It's about we need to prevent war. Like there, even the neocons have adopted our framing. It's fascinating. What's going to be interesting is to see uh, maybe a, a potential, and, and I'm and I'm kind of seeing this kind of politically aligned. And I might be totally wrong about this, but I think there's going to be a lot of Democrats that are going to be switching over and voting for Nikki Haley during these these primaries. Will they have an impact on 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 the primary election? They could because Nikki Haley is essentially Hillary Clinton light. She's essentially George W. Bush light. She's essentially a safe establishment uh, politician that keeps talking about the kind of woke stuff about how we need a woman in charge. So there are particularly very interesting interviews from Nikki Haley kind of town halls showing a lot of leftists there, a lot of Biden supporters there, a lot of establishment types there. And this primary is going to be very interesting because if the Democrats switch over and vote for Nikki Haley, as 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 as, as again, they have a they, they have a presidential candidate that's not there. 
Why wouldn't they do it? I, that kind of does make sense. Well, just when I thought I couldn't hate the Democrat voters more, if they if they managed to foist Nikki Haley upon me, uh, oh, <laughs> I can't even tell you how furious I'm going to be. Um, I, I honestly, if you look at the polls, I really don't think that even if they do that, like huge numbers of them do that, I just don't think it's enough to get her over the hump. And I, I pray I'm right. If I'm wrong on this one, uh, I'm going to have to look into El Salvador or Argentina. <laughs> and also, I think you have to remember that at this point, given how polarized the country is, the vast majority of Democrats, even if it is Nikki Haley you're talking about, cannot conceive of pulling that lever for a Republican, even True. in a primary for strategic reasons. Yeah, good. Well, well, if they were like strategic, if they were smart, being like, hey, if we, want, if we want to get what we want to get, if we want to get the DEI, we want to get the money to Zelensky, we want to get all the wars, we want a Biden a 3.0, we got we to gotta vote uh, Nikki Haley. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe I should uh, you know, punish myself for even getting that idea out there. <laughs> yeah, right. Because but, but politically, it is sound. And it is also sound for, for Donald Trump to... And, and again, I'm not endorsing this. I'm very critical of this to pick someone like Nikki Haley to be the vice president of the United Oof. States. Because if you look at all the vice presidents, they are horrible people. Nikki Haley's a horrible person. So that that's perfect. Uh, but it's going to be a big miscalculation on Donald Trump, because if he does select someone like Nikki Haley as a VP, the establishment will just take him out and then they'll uh, inaugurate Nikki Haley to be the next president of the United States. But strategically, there there are a lot of political analysts and we see individuals. Uh, I, I think Mike, Mike Cerner claimed that Laura Trump is kind of putting the, the information out there that it is going to be Nikki Haley as a potential VP for Trump. Um, if that happens, the political strategists are making the argument, hey, she has all the establishment votes. Hey, she's a woman. Hey, she's going to help you get the votes that you can't get yourself. I, I hope he doesn't fall for that political strategy, but he might, and I've been kind of hinting at it for a while, even before the news articles came out saying, hey, Nikki Haley could be the VP. This is what the Trump administration is considering. That's what they're considering. Personally, I really hope it's going to be a big kind of just just screw you gesture to the establishment. Personally, I hope it's someone like RFK Jr. or Vivek or Tucker Carlson. That's what I would personally love to see as a big kind of screw you to the system. But it's probably not going to happen. And just because I hope for something doesn't mean it's true. What do you think about the possibility of a Trump-Haley ticket? And would you vote for it? As of course, this is something that I, I brought up to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson said right away, I'm not voting for Trump if he's picking Nikki Haley. It, is that the same kind of scenario you find yourself in? Yeah, well, Roger Stone keeps insisting there is absolutely no chance of this. This is just people trying to stir up controversy where there isn't any. So I don't know. I mean, Roger Stone has his finger on the pulse uh, a little bit. But... Um, obviously, I think it's it sticks in 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 Trump's craw that he had Mike Pence foisted on him. Yes, you know, so that didn't quite turn out the way he hoped. So I wonder if he might be inclined to say, you know, I think when it comes to the VP, this time I'm going to pick. Yes. Yeah, I, I hope I hope so. I hope, and and then who he's going to pick as VP is going to be a very very telling kind of uh, declaration for who he will be as president. We got a super chat by Johnny. Bokek, thank you, thank you, Johnny, for the super chat with the bird emoji, giving the thumbs up. We, we appreciate your I, super chats. I think that the the clear answer, to, from my vantage point, just from political, uh, you know, viewing this, I think that it's Vivek because the the regime, the establishment, has zero concern about Nikki Haley. They, like as as Luke already described. It, it increases the chances of something catastrophic happens to Trump so that Nikki Haley can get in there. Whereas if Vivek's sitting there in the wings going, hey, if you 
find some way to get Trump out of here and you make me the president, I'm cutting all of your jobs. Like you're, you're all gone. You know? So I think that you, if, if I'm Trump, I want to have a dude in there who, who they're actually equally afraid of because Trump didn't, didn't demonstrate that he was capable of draining the swamp. I think Vivek's the type of guy that actually could. So I think that's the play if I were him. And, and one of the things that did protect him is everyone said, hey, do you want this crazy religious guy, Mike Pence, as president of the United States? Yeah. And, and, and Mike Pence is, is out today and he came out and said the FBI definitely was not behind uh, any kind of involvement with January 6th. He also came out four hours ago on USA Today talking about how the GOP needs to pick a different candidate than Trump. So uh, strange bedfellows uh, yeah. usually happen in politics. A lot of people in the chat room are bringing up Tulsi Gabbard right now. I want to see a, a big screw you to the establishment. I want to see someone Absolutely. I want to see someone like a Javier Milley in there that will because because strategically, this is what Trump needs to realize. And I hope he does, because, again, he, he doesn't have the best. Let's just be honest here. Track record of picking the people around him. All right. Who's he going to pick as VP is going to be extremely telling. And uh, again, Tucker Carlson said straight up, I am not voting for him if he picks Nikki Haley. Hopefully that doesn't happen. His last VP was absolutely horrible. Every VP. Horrible. Biden, horrible. Dick Cheney, horrible. Um, uh, all of them, absolutely horrible people and someone you definitely don't want to be replaced with. Nikki Haley, again, I, I hope it's someone like Carrie Lake as well. But who's going to be on the Democratic uh, ticket is something that also a lot of people are looking at as we have the predictive market showing specifically how Biden is still in the lead here with 64.6% chance of becoming the next Democratic presidential nominee. Newsom? 14.4%. Obama, I think they're referring to Michelle Obama or Mike Obama, 7.8%. Harris, 6%. Of, what a shame. Again, I, as, as I said, as I said, VPs, horrible people. Kamala Harris, perfect representation of a horrible person. And then, of course, we have Phillips and Clinton. I think these latest documents dumps definitely prove that the Clintons absolutely have no chance here. And I would say those document leaks, according to my own personal speculation, were probably related to an internal power play and an internal blackmail campaign against the Clintons that prevented them from showing up more power during a very weak Democratic Party primary uh, that isn't really happening, but everyone knows it's, it's kind of happening. So Man. if it's not going to be Biden, who is it going to be? I think Gavin's still the odds-on favorite, but Michelle Obama's a distinct possibility. I just wanted to make a quick note about Mike Pence, who was in Israel uh, either a day or two ago, signing his name to the artillery that's going to be dropped on the children of Gaza. Very Christian behavior there, Mike. I, I, don't, I don't understand how the Christian right has been mind effed into this perspective that this is an acceptable practice that they're they're you know their spokesman the guy that they the, the the whole reason that they were willing to sign off on trump is because at least we got that good christian man mike pence in there and he's over there signing his name to artillery wild absolutely wild. you know nothing says uh, pro-life like like signing off bombs that yeah, are going to be dude. dropped in uh you know predominantly civilian areas but uh it's yeah, I mean, I mean, those those are neocons for you. Those those are the signs of of just failed political leadership. Another sign of failed political leadership is what Biden is doing right now, as we have this article from The Guardian talking about fired up Biden shows gloves are off in January 6th anniversary oh. speech, highlighting a photo of him uh, looking uh, particularly perturbed and very angry, uh, waving his finger at the American people as this is a short clip of his speech that we're going to be playing for you right now. One desperate act available to him. 
the violence of January the 6th. And since that day, more than 1,200 people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Nearly 900 of them have been convicted or pled guilty. Collectively, to date, they have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. What's Trump done? Instead of calling them criminals, he's called these these insurrectionists patriots. They're patriots. And he promised to pardon them if he returns to office. Trump said that there was a lot of love on January the 6th. The rest of the nation, including law enforcement, saw a lot of hate and violence. One Capitol Police officer called it a medieval battle. That same officer called vile rape was called vile racist names. He said he was more afraid. I'm surprised he was able to be coherent during that yeah. speech. He did have a little bit of a mishap at the end there, but clearly highlighting a man doubling down on some insane policies on the weaponization of the Department of Justice, on uh, you know swinging the pendulum politically in a very violent way that a lot of people expect to, to come back the other way. What do you guys make of his speech as uh, this only kind of highlights how that this is one of his main campaign issues, and that's absolutely terrifying. Yep, I've got a lot to say about this, but I'd like to let Tom go. Yeah, I was just telling you over lunch that <laughs> yeah. your your what you posted on on X, so called, uh, was one of the best things I've ever seen on it. Thank you. But um, obviously, he's prepping America for what they're planning to do to Trump because if you demonize him like this, it becomes easier to railroad him. But the other thing is, I, I know a guy who um, is in major legal trouble because of this, and that's uh, John Schaefer. He's a metal guitarist with the band Iced Earth. And he told me, he said, look, I'm, I'm no Trump lackey. I went in there because we were being told that the police were beating up an old man. Mm-hmm. And so I went in there, and I, I shouldn't have gone in there. You know, I should have known it would just be trouble. But I did. And he was held in I mean, solitary confinement. He says they fed him food that was unfit for human beings to eat. And I found out that this happened to him, so I called Mark Victor. Maybe you know him in Arizona, uh, Attorneys for Freedom. I said, what can you do for this guy? He got him out of solitary. He got him out, and and, uh, I think he's still awaiting sentencing even now. But he's a regular guy. He's got a daughter. I mean, he's just a regular guy. He's no danger to anybody. And he was put through absolute torture. He'd probably still be enduring if he hadn't had good legal counsel. And then, and then not to mention, do you guys know Jason Rink, the filmmaker? Yep. Yes. Okay, so Jason Rink makes a documentary about Jacob Chansley, the, uh, the Q shaman, who's kind of an odd guy, but again, harmless, a little bit of an oddball. And so Jason made a, uh, a, docu- a docu-series about him called Q Sent Me, and it is absolutely impartial. It just lets the guy tell his story. And I mean, wouldn't you think on a day as significant as this, as this we should want to hear the story from the guy? Yeah, and given that it was the biggest attack on our democracy. Right, we want to hear, what did this guy think? Banned on every platform. In fact, Jason had had the the file private on Vimeo just to store it. And he got banned from Vimeo, even for having, no one could see it. Then he went to Las Vegas to be, I think he was screening it. And the hotel where he was staying on the strip said, we're canceling your room. Yep. So the next time he went to Vegas, I was there. And I said, if you can't get a room... I'm going to get you a room. We'll put it in our name, and you get it. 
It's insane. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it, so I think the, um, the obviously we all agree that the hysteria is a little bit misplaced, but I don't think people even know about these stories. So Jason has become the most, he calls himself the most canceled filmmaker in America. He's just trying to tell the impartial story well, of, of this one guy. Let me, let me just add to that story real quick. I actually uh, took on them as a sponsor for, for Liberty Lockdown. And just because I linked to that documentary, I received a strike. That's this, this, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. That is how far they went, that it was just a link to a, uh, a documentary was enough for them to, to go after me. So uh, they have done everything in their power to control the narrative about this story. Uh, it's very disturbing to me. I actually had Taylor Hanson on, who's a, a journalist as well. He was there. He was actually the one who, who filmed uh, Babbitt's, you know, whatever you want to describe it as uh, I'll, I'll save it for rumble. Um, and, you know, he is now, because of that, he has now spent three years on a special categorization for risk for flight. So, like, not not totally no fly, but, like, one tier below that. So he has he has uh, air marshals that will follow him every time he flies. He has to arrive three hours prior. Um, it's incredible. And this is a journalist, and, and he hasn't been charged with anything. So so even a journalist that that had press credentials that was not violent at all, has had his life, uh, you know, thrown into turmoil because of his coverage of that event, and that that's just one story of a thousand. And and to have Biden get up there and to brag about it is one of the most disturbing things I've ever experienced as someone who still, perhaps, uh, out of naivete, still has some pride in this country. Uh, that that an, an American president would brag about robbing the vast majority of those people were peaceful, robbing nine hundred people of eight hundred and forty years of their lives. It's, it's despicable. And to be promising simultaneously that they're going to take it further. You had another guy come out just yesterday saying, we're not done yet. We're, we've already gone after 1,200. Now we're going after the people that were standing outside. There is no law that says that you can't stand outside. You have a right in this country. I don't know when we got rid of the First Amendment, but this is extraordinarily disturbing. And this, I am not a, I'm not a Biden supporter to begin with, but I'm telling you. This is one of this is this is a bridge too far. We cannot permit the federal government to use the DOJ and the FBI to come after people who are peaceful. If they do that, then it's basically dissent is criminal in this country. Well, that's what happened to uh, Owen Schroyer, and this, that's why the case of what happened to him is is so uh, important. We were just with him a couple weeks ago. His story is absolutely crazy. He was outside. He was an inside, but he had to spend a, a very long time in solitary confinement. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand the significance of that, as, uh, of course, a lot of people have ruled solitary confinement as a, as a form of torture, as a form of abuse. So here we have a system, we have a, a political class uh, abusing the legal justice system and uh, essentially creating political prisoners and now doubling down and now saying anyone outside is also going to jail as of course we have this crazy latest video from a DC attorney at the DOJ announcing this just a few moments ago. And what happened inside of the building? An important note when it comes to our prosecutions about those who remained outside the building. We have used our prosecutorial discretion to primarily focus on those who entered the building or those who engaged in violent or corrupt conduct on capital grounds. But if a person knowingly entered the restricted area without authorization, they had already committed a federal crime. Make no mistake, thousands of people occupied an area that they were not authorized to be present in in the first place. 
Yep, and now they are taking people off of literal human trafficking cases, and they're bringing them on to, of course, this larger political prosecution of the main chief political rival of the current establishment. This is banana republic-like stuff. This is KGB-like behavior. This is this is uh, again another major escalation in, our, in in an already very tumultuous political cycle. That's going to get a lot more tumultuous from here. I don't see it getting any better. I I, I see what, what what you mentioned, Tom, and I think this was a, a great point to kind of ponder and think about, uh, especially when we see MSNBC news anchors pretending to cry on national television bringing these stories up is that this kind of uh, emotional gaslighting and manipulation that we see is there for a specific reason they're not bringing it up just to kind of bring it up bring it up they're bringing it up because they want trump in jail they want to make sure that their main political rival never becomes the next president of the united states they want to make sure that they never become challenged politically ever again and they're doing that in many different ways immigration is one way that they're doing it but um, essentially ballot harvesting taking the Zuckerbucks. Florida, one of the few states didn't take the Zuckerbucks, actually turned red. Um, all the places that took the hundreds of millions of dollars from Mark Zuckerberg, a lot of those places went Democrat. A lot of those places went very blue. And how else do you not see them trying to solidify their power forever? And I think this election has a lot at stake here. And to me, it, it represents a big turning point in America where we're returning back to the uniparty, where there's no real choice, there's no real decisions. It's going to be, again, between establishment person versus establishment person. You speak out against the establishment, uh, the establishment will come together and do anything and everything they can in order to try to destroy you politically and, and also in real life. Trump faces 750 years in jail. His court proceeding is going to be starting on Super Tuesday. Um, that's not an accident. So the way the way that this uh, country is going to me is terrifying because this pendulum swinging, it could come back the other way too, and it's very dangerous for everyone involved here. Well, to me, this underscores I me. Mean, this may sound trivial to some people, but it isn't. The significance of what Elon Musk has done um, with Twitter now rebranded. I mean. I, I know every time you bring up Elon Musk, people will tell me his seven things that are wrong with him or whatever. You know, okay, maybe he's wrong about the seven things. But right now, the most important thing to me is that we be able to have conversations about what's happening to us Agreed. that aren't locked in this paradigm of you have to choose between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden. And it does seem to me that those conversations are happening, that people who had been muzzled are once again able to be heard. And so maybe, you know, maybe this is a, a, a moment where. The false narratives just can't, they just can't. If something is this false and, and this at odds with reality and morality, how long can it go on before a critical mass just blasts through and just, we, we just can't believe what you're telling us anymore? Well, think, think about how, how powerful or like a case study of, of what you're de describing with X and, and how important it is. Think about how successful the, the non-duopoly, the libertarian, the independent uh, commentators are like how successful we have been in that in that venue. I mean, we're so influential. Our, it's unbelievable how outsized our influence is compared to like how we may view be viewed in the polls. Um, and I think that that just goes to show that when given a fair hearing, the libertarian or the the non-interventionist, the the peace first, the free trade, the pro-capitalism, like these are ideas that are extremely popular if they're allowed to be heard. They're just rarely allowed to be heard. Um, so I think that's that's a, a good sign, and I agree with that. But to go back to Luke's original point about how dangerous this is, 
essentially the the perspective that people are taking on, and I don't think that they're actually mistaken to take it, is that it is oppress or be oppressed. And and shortly after that decision making process, when that enters a voter's mind, eventually it becomes kill or be killed. And I, I'm horrified that that's how people are viewing the ballot today, that that more and more people are seeing it as like, I have to win or my life is over. And when it comes to the J6ers, they're rightful. They, they rightfully view it that way. Like if Biden wins, they have no chance of being pardoned. Their lives are essentially ruined. Um, I mean, it's just devastating that we've gotten here. And, and all I want to see if we're going to, to maintain this union is to realize that the pendulum is swinging increasingly violently and we have to just stop. We have to come to the table as adults and say we're going to we're going to we're going to diminish the size of the federal government so that these decision-making processes are not so so dire that we have to be at each other's throats, you know, 364 days out of the year. We have to stop with that process. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen. I mean, the poll numbers, there's a new poll by CBS News talking about how half the country expects there to be violence from the other side that loses in the next upcoming future elections mm. and it shows you exactly. that these numbers are are pretty apparent. A lot of people understand there's a lot more than just choosing the next president of the United States here as uh, I, I think there is a ruling class that is banking on chaos, that is trying to sow division, that is trying to escalate tensions to the point that there's no going back from. But I wanted to kind of ask you guys the impossible question. Is there anything that could roll this back? Is there any de-escalation? Is there any possibility that we could get off this crazy train that is headed off of the cliff and uh, endangering everyone in this political cycle? Is there anything that we could do? Aside from peaceful national divorce, I'm not so sure. And I don't think that's necessarily uh, likely to be peaceful. So I'm curious what you think, though. Well, I'm surprised that we have what we have today in terms of people willing to say things that I don't think they were willing to say 15 years ago. So you never know. Things may change. But it'd be nice if we had somebody who could somehow credibly and persuasively convey the message that, look, as, as Jeff Deist would say, California could have everything at once right now. It could have the health care it wants, whatever, po- whatever crazy policy it UBI, wants. UBI, all of it. Yeah. yeah, you could have all of it if you just if you went your own way and we went our own way. We, and and you, won't, you won't like the things we do and we won't like the things you do, but, you, but, but, but everybody will be able to find a place that suits them. You know, yeah. I mean, and it won't be perfect, but you'll be able to find a place that, uh, that suits you. Whereas now it's like we're, we're locked in this endless struggle for winner take all. But I think what's happening is Maybe we can say to the other side, look, the deplorables aren't dying off the way you thought they would. They're not as as isolated as you thought they were. And victory over them isn't as easy as you thought it was. What if we just lay down our arms and go back to our homes and in your little area, you build the society you want and I'll build the one I want. Now, that would work if the other side weren't a bunch of imperialists who want to create, you know, who want to force themselves on everybody. Which, by the way, that's the way they normally portray the right wing. But at this point, the right wing is so shell shocked. They just want to be able to have yeah. their kids grow up knowing whether they're boys or girls. I yes. mean, just they're really not asking for a lot. They're, they're like, I just want the FBI not to be in my, yeah. you know, yeah, in my right. kids, in my kids' school, right. or in my yeah. church. And like, that's they're not asking a lot. I I think like once they, if they are able to get back in power, they could seek uh, retribution, and, and you know, it could it could get ugly. But I agree at this point, the the clear power brokers are on the left, and they are they are wielding that power viciously.
Well, they're escalating the tensions, and uh, a lot of people are expecting the right to respond, which is also scaring a lot of the people on the left who are escalating the tension. So if you want to deal with this, you got to deal with the left and tell them, hey, stop, stop, stop putting the, the, the pedal on the gas. Like, like stop, stop pushing the pedal. Yeah. Stop quick, adding more fuel to the fire here. Quick note on this, too. You know, this, this is a really important moment and, and a speech because Biden is, is gearing up to run for re-election. That was a that was a focus, you know, workshopped, focus grouped mm. type of speech, and and the fact that 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 sells with his base, that that bragging about stealing hundreds of years of these people's lives, many of them peaceful, uh, that that is actually appealing, that that actually is politically advantageous, that tells you a hell of a lot, and I think it's very important that people pay attention to that because here's here's the reality. If he was seeking the moderates, if he was seeking to try and bring in someone like me, he could have gotten up there and said, look, what happened on that day was tragic, but we're, we're trying to keep this country together. And you don't keep, you don't keep America, America together via you know, violent force. You do it by, by a meeting of the minds, open dialogue, conversation. There's clearly people that were, you know, he could frame it in the democratic you know, thought process. They were, they were led astray. You know, they were led astray by, by Donald Trump, but it doesn't change the fact that these are patriotic people. He could have he could have offered an olive branch to MAGA and said, I am not going to turn this into a, you know, team A versus team B civil war for all the ages. He didn't do that. And it, that, I think more than anything, uh, once I set my rage aside, I'm just heartbroken that we have a president that would actually do such a thing. Well, it's only going to get a lot worse from here. <laughs> I, think it, yeah. I think it's pretty clear. But, but then he yeah. says he says that, that Trump is just living in the past as he's standing there talking about something from three, three years, years ago, ago yeah. you know, and that he's never going to stop talking about. Now, there are some some of us who feel like, well, we'll build parallel institutions until the society gets healthier. You know, So they have crazy schools, we'll homeschool, or right. we'll build classical schools, or they have, you know, they're firing people because they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't get some medical intervention, let's say. All right, well, we'll have our own job boards where we'll hire each other. Okay, that's that works up to a, a point, and I agree with that, and we should do that. But the the one area where we can't do that is the legal system. Yep. And the problem there, this is where we've got to work on getting ourselves represented there, is that the law schools are churning out people who don't think it's the it's their job as as judges to look at things impartially and come up with what the law tells them. It's their job, frankly, to advance the revolution. That's the way they think. Bingo. Yep. I, it's not overstating it. So, so Trump had a response to uh, Biden. We're going to get into that in a little bit. We got another super chat here by Agamemnon Fireman saying Trump Gabbard 2024 would be a golden Wonka ticket to vote for me, in my opinion. Also, Luke, I know it's past Christmas, but you remind me of the blonde nerdy kid from the Polar Express voiced by <laughs> Madark from Dexter. I'm going to look that character up in just a little bit before we, we get out of here off of YouTube. But Trump's response uh, against Biden's speech was that uh, essentially he called Biden a true threat to democracy, and and I don't think it's I don't think it's Biden. I think Biden is is the puppet. I think there's bigger powers at play here that are pulling the strings of Joe Biden that are escalating the situations, and they're literally giving a script that the poor old man doesn't even comprehend when he's reading it. Um, the optics here are, are very telling. There is one particular speech that he gave in Philadelphia where literally he had huge beaming red lights behind him, and he looked like a literal fearer. 
as he's literally hopped up on all these pharmaceuticals, and clearly he is a man pushing a larger agenda out there. Yep. But uh, another thing Trump said that I found very interesting was he actually talked about uh, the JFK uh, assassination recently, and in his new campaign video, he's promising more transparency when it comes to, of course, the JFK files. Now, why is he bringing this up now? As, of course, there's a lot of implications here with the deep state, the intelligentsia, the, the, the true powers behind the scenes that are probably puppeting uh, Biden. When, when, when we look at the people who are, it, it, it's probably the same people, let's just be honest here, let's just be frank here, that, that took out JFK. That's, that's an assertion, but I think it's a fair assertion to make here, as of course the, the political landscape very drastically changed after a, a large number of political assassinations that are connected to a lot of the intel agencies. But specifically when it comes to Trump, he also doesn't have the best track record when it comes to releasing JFK documents. <laughs> he promised to, to release a lot of them, and then the intel agency stepped in and said, no, you're not. And then he was like, okay, I'll just release a little bit of them. Biden released a little bit of them. There's still more documents that we don't know what happened to the president of the United States many decades ago. I find that ridiculous, but also a sign to how just secretive and entrenched the deep state really is and how they are still in power no matter who the president is, which is this is profound. a good this is a good question for you, Tom. Uh, when when was our country lost? Oh, geez. Well, you know, if you look at somebody like uh, the early political thinker John Taylor of Caroline, he would say probably the 1790s. Now, I, I don't know <laughs> if I'm quite an extremist like that, yeah. <laughs> Clint. But but honestly, in terms of like what was the country supposed to be like and how was it supposed to work? Um, I, I mean, you 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 could argue that. You know, the, the so-called war between the states, because of after that, they came to the conclusion that it's a single indivisible whole, and therefore the states no longer at least had the ability to threaten that they were going to do something. Because right. you can't do anything because you're just an administrative unit of the center, and so now you're helpless. And so what result do you expect to happen? You expect to... Get, over time, for the federal government to get more powerful, just imposing itself on the states. However... Co uh, well, let's just say, what, what, what time is it, uh, Luke? Where are we? We're, we're close to rumble. Oh, yes, okay. we're, close. We're, we're, we're six minutes out well, from let's having just say, real freedom. I'll just say Ron DeSantis showed us and a few others that federalism is actually still alive. That yep. the, the possibility for the states to go their own way is still alive if anybody cares to do it. Right. And wasn't it funny that, that when all that was going on, that for the first time, I'm sure, in his entire life, Andrew Cuomo cited the Tenth Amendment, yeah. <laughs> and he cited it to say the president has no right to open up our states yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we have the Tenth Amendment. We reserve the right to keep people in their yeah. homes. We, right. we, we reserve the Tenth Amendment gives us the right to be tyrants, even when it's against the federal <laughs> constitution. It's like, all right, well, I mean, at least you acknowledge that the Tenth Amendment exists. I'm sure That's as something. soon as I'm sure, I'm sure as soon as uh, you know Florida allows for fully automatic weapons, you'll totally reject that. But you know, it's. Don't, don't expect them to be uh, consistent. Uh, th that's one day I'm waiting for that I think would be awesome. A lot of people in the chat room are saying 1913 is when the country was uh, lost. That's pretty and, bad. Uh, yeah, 1913 yeah, is pretty that, good. That's, yeah. that's pretty much, uh, you know, the, 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 for, the Wait, for the newbies, we should yeah. tell them that's the Federal Reserve, the yeah. Income Tax. What's the th 17th Amendment? What, what was it? 17th Amendment yeah. also. So yeah. three I, things in that year. I, for me, that has always been the inflection point at which our fate was essentially sealed. Um, and, and this is why, even though it sounds wonky and, oh, I don't understand economics or math, Clint, or set all that aside. 
Your money is controlled by a quasi-private banking institution. These cabals are the most powerful people in the history of the world. You don't have to know anything about economics to know that's messed up. Oh, and not to mention, <laughs> all the people who are telling you all day long about how evil corporations are. And by the way, they may have had more of a point than I was willing to concede in the past. But but the point, you know, they, they, the free market, private, uh, private um, owners are all evil and everything. But when it gets to the Federal Reserve, when which was created when a bunch of bankers met in secret— to hammer out the legislation. On Jekyll Island, for God's sake. Well, by the way, Jekyll Island's a beautiful place. I, I know, but just the name the, is the, like, the, the name is scary, but these SOBs know where to have a private meeting. <laughs> yeah, I'll indeed. tell you that. It's a beautiful place. But, you know, normally you would think the very people who are always warning you about, you know, uh, uh, the, the rich are always out to get you. They're strangely silent when it comes to rich people secretly under assumed names getting together hammering out legislation that's rammed through that cartelizes the banking system and gives them a lot of power we're just we're a cons- we're conspiracy theorists if we talk about right. that but that What's more important than that? I mean, well, literally, what would be more important than that? They'll, they'll spend all day talking about how evil Jeff Bezos and Amazon is and how they need yeah. to be broken up. But then you're like, okay, but there's an institution that has a monopoly on the creation and interest rate setting policy of your currency, the right. thing that you actually save all of your labor in, and you're <laughs> cool with that? All right, well, how about this? We'll make it easy on them. We'll say, imagine Donald Trump could control the creation <laughs> yes, of money. Exactly. Do you get it now? <laughs> make it simple for him, right? <laughs> So uh, I do kind of look like that nerdy blonde kid uh, from Polar Express, by the way. I'm looking up Bummer. images of him. Uh, no, you know, he's, is he cute he's, enough? All right. he's, he's he's not too bad. I'll 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 I'll, I'll take it. It's fine. Uh, we're gonna now finally go over to a place that allows free speech, where we could actually get into your book, Tom, because there's a lot of things we can't discuss in your book here on this particular platform because we are living in a technocratic gulag, uh, intelligence influenced state that, of course, denies people the ability to speak freely to each other. We can do that on rumble.com. We are actually right now featured on the front page of rumble. So if you want to find us, all you have to do is either go to rumble.com forward slash we are change or just, just go to rumble right here. We are the second, um, video portrayed to everyone as it looks like the Tate brothers will be going live in just a little bit. Uh, but, uh, again, rumble.com is the platform. There's a rumble rant that we can't read here on, uh, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> There's also another uh, mysuperchat.com that's going to be related to the conversation that we are going to be continuing on rumble.com. Uh, so if you're on YouTube right now, we're live simultaneously on rumble.com. Go to Rumble, sign up, log in, get the app. I don't care what you have to do. You have to vote with your clicks, with your attention. It's more important than ever as on Rumble, we are going to be discussing all the issues that we can't hear on YouTube. We're also going to be taking callers from, of course, LukeUnfiltered.com. So if you are a member, go on the Telegram channel right now, and I will select you to call in and ask us whatever questions you want, as the conversation is definitely going to be a little spicy on Rumble, as we're going to be getting into a lot of the presidential candidates that are now becoming more anarchist and libertarian. What's going on here? We're going to discuss that with Tom Woods, as well as the story of the decade, and that is politicians doing what politicians to do, going to private islands and doing really horrible things to small children. We're getting into that plus a lot more. Seriously, what are you doing on YouTube? Seriously, what's wrong with you? There's a lot of you guys here. What are you doing? Get over right now. Not now. Right now. Rumble. My dog's like, that's the command. Get, get now. Rumble.com. See you over there. Before we go over there, Tom, um, as we leave the YouTube audience, uh, where can people find you and support your work? 
Uh, well, given this conversation, check out nationaldivorce.com. I go. actually wrote a, a, I have a free book there about national divorce. And yes, I own the domain nationaldivorce.com. That thing is in good hands, my friends. <laughs> uh, at Liberty Lockpot on X, Liberty Lockdown is the show. You can find it on YouTube and Rumble. I actually have the great Dave Smith. This is such a thrilling date for me. Uh, you know, I have personal private calls with Scott Horton all the time. Got Tom Woods sitting next to me, and I got Dave Smith tonight. My life is going great. I really I couldn't be more happy. Luke and I are en route to Iowa to hang out with Vivek. Life is crazy. Anyways, Liberty Lockdown, Tower Gang is the other show I do. Don't subscribe to that. It's really stupid and, and ridiculous. Uh, we will see you on Rumble. Thank you so much. Steph. Steph, we are change on the buttons. We want to hear more from you, Steph. Uh, so they're on all waiting. Rumble, Rumble. They're all they're all waiting for you on, on Rumble. Get over there right now. What are you waiting for? Uh, thank you guys for all the super chats. Thank you so much for the conversations. Conversation continues. Rumble.com. As of course, there's a little bit of delay, but but I think the first story that we should absolutely talk about, um, as my dog uh, <laughs> uh, fumbles around uh, behind me, is of course the Jeffrey Epstein story. A, a story that I think deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. It's finally being talked about. I think it's being talked about for larger blackmail political purposes. Uh, but there's a short video going around right now that I think is worth mentioning when it comes to what we are dealing here with. And this is uh, a conversation that Tucker Carlson had about this issue as he just released an interview with Jeffrey Epstein's brother. But here's a clip of some interesting comments and tidbits to add to this conversation from Tuck Tuck. I think there were $600 million recovered in cash and assets in his estate. They do not know now, like an army of forensic accounts, where that money came from. We don't know where the money came from. We don't know what he did for a living. And we know that he was murdered. He was murdered in the special housing unit of federal lockup in Manhattan. They moved someone out of his cell. They put two people, one of whom was not even a full-time prison guard, on duty. None of the cameras trained on the cell worked. They were all out of it that night. Whoever killed Epstein clearly has a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, did they even kill him? I don't think so. That's just my conspiracy mind. That's just my assertion. Is Epstein still out there? Is he still alive? Individuals like Megyn Kelly? Believe so. What do you guys think? I, I mean, I've always leaned towards him being murdered just simply because why risk it, you know? If he ever turned up somewhere, right. you know, then be, what would they do? I mean, it would be the end of the entire charade that is government. You know, like... I'm sure they do some special, like, plastic surgery, fingerprint changing. Like, they have to... There has to be something in place for that. But but what's the value in keeping him alive? It's like, this guy is has carried out some of their biggest ops and their biggest compromise uh, generation, you know... It's like why? Or why he, why he could have he could have orchestrated it. He could have been like the pressure's getting too hot. Everyone knows me. Um, we got to do something. When you look at the the interview that Tucker Carlson just released with uh, Mark Epstein, um, Mark Epstein keeps detailing anomaly after anomaly after just strange coincidences and incidences that absolutely do not make sense. Every little detail here, the surveillance cameras, Bill Barr saying he watched the surveillance cameras that didn't work, that there's no videotape of, the cells being left open, the way that he died, the way that he was also transported 
it medically without following any of the proper procedures that are usually followed. The way that they changed his dress and 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 literally left him for dead, and then gave him a, a wardrobe change during the middle of that. The way that they didn't document anything, they didn't take photos, of everything, everything here stinks to high heaven of just absolute foul play. And the the assertions that Tucker Carlson brings up that the very powerful people that are responsible for it are the very same powerful people that, again, we don't have to discuss this at length because I think there's bigger revelations here and we don't have to speculate if he's alive or not. But but when when you're considering the level of influence, the level of power, this is grand. Who has the power to stop national news stories, to, to stop police officers, to stop the FBI, when the FBI literally has small children coming to them in the 90s saying, hey, these guys rape me. Hey, these guys are running an international child raping and trafficking operation. And the FBI literally sits on their hands and says for 30 years, doop de doop, we're not going to do nothing about it. That right there is, is criminality at the highest levels, the highest degrees. And this is why this is the story of the decade, and it deserves so much more attention than it's actually getting right now. Couldn't agree more. And uh, I've always assumed because of that, because of what Luke just laid out there, the reason you have to assume that it's the highest levels of power, and if you realize that if you like look at Trump's presidency, what power did he really have? Well, we found out that there's a lot of things that you you think the most powerful man in the world actually isn't really in charge of. Uh, removing troops from Syria comes to mind. So I think that that's the reason I've concluded that this is almost certainly the the true power brokers of the world, which to me is MI5, MI6, Mossad, CIA, FBI. Like those, those institutions. Yeah, this is what Megyn Kelly said that kind of made me start this conversation this way. Fascinating, and we're not done with Jeffrey Epstein. I can tell you that for a fact. can't tell you how I know, but I can tell you for a fact. We're going to hear a lot more about Jeffrey Epstein in the coming year, uh, and you may be even hearing from him directly. More on that as I'm allowed to tell you. Now, what is she referring to? Of course, this conspiracy mind's like, he's alive. But she could also be referring to interviews that were done with Epstein. As we know, Epstein did interviews, in, in, including with Steve Bannon, that haven't been publicized yet, haven't been released yet, and could be being used right now for political leverage. So wow. with, with, with those kind of facts of, of the case here, I kind of I want to leave it to the audience right now. Uh, we are on, on Rumble exclusively. So press one on, on Rumble in the comment section if you believe Epstein is still alive. Press two if you think Megyn Kelly was talking about a potential interview that's going to be released and that he is not alive. And then the system, the establishment kind of just took him out after, of course, working for the, the deep state intelligentsia for, for so long. But when you look at Robert Maxwell, you know, allegedly he also died in a very mysterious boating accident. So uh, it does kind of um, align with the larger kind of actions by the intelligence agencies. Of course, Robert Maxwell is alleged to have worked with the Soviets, with the Israelis, with the Americans, and was not only just a double agent, but a triple agent, um, a part of the larger kind of extortion operations that were happening in Washington, D.C., but also internationally in places like the United Kingdom and in Israel, as uh, there's, there's Israeli prime ministers implicated here that are in the court documents that are alleged to have participated in the larger kind of sexual abuse of children. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. And it's not exactly surprising given that I've assumed that this was a, a, a co-Mossad CIA operation, arguably with MI6 in there. So it's not terribly surprising that Ehud Barak would be uh, you know, listed in this. It is surprising that he would be a participant in it. That That is that is what I didn't suspect. Like, a, If you're going to be building a compromise file, 
I wouldn't think that the Mossad would actually be getting their, you know, their PM hemmed, you know, caught up in this as well. It, it, again, I, I guess I'll be the white pill guy here. Please. The fact that a Megyn Kelly, who, I mean, I always thought of as being like establishment right, takes on this story. Or, uh, I don't know, even a few months ago, or maybe it was a little longer, she told people to go out and get fake vax cards if they needed to. Yep. You know, I mean, you would not have heard a Megyn Kelly say something like that 10 years ago. So they've, got, they've gotten emboldened, which is not as bold as us, but right. the, the normies listen to people like Megyn yes. Kelly. So that's my, a good my thing. My mom does. <laughs> but, oh, okay, there you go. But the, I, I, the thing about this, this, this and, and other stories that, that gives me the creeps is they know nobody believes the Epstein killed himself story. They, they know nobody believes it. And so I, I think, frankly, it gives some of these people a perverse pleasure to get away with things right in front of us, mm-hmm. right under our nose. We don't even have to dig around and connect dots. They're doing it right there. And it's like, so what are you going to do about it? You well, know how evil we are. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, well, that, that's what concerns me, though, is that if you get to a point where the vast majority of people in America believe that even when it comes to protecting children, there's still no justice to be found, yeah. well, that's when you radicalize people to the point of, of real Yeah, then you don't know stuff. what happened. You know, I remember hearing, I watched the documentary about uh, Julian Assange that his father and brother made, uh, and I had his brother on, on the Tom Woods show. And there's a time where, I, I didn't realize this, but it was... In the, at the time when the war in Iraq in 2003 was about to break out. And Assange said that at that time there were protests like you wouldn't believe, massive numbers everywhere. And the thing that, absolutely, that he never forgot was it didn't make a damn bit of difference. And th- that's that that's the terrifying thing. That's the black pill. Right. Is that it didn't make a damn bit of difference. Because when you're, when you're protesting peacefully and they still proceed, well, then what do you do? Yeah, what what would you like us to do? Yeah, yeah. And, and then if and then if you believe if you have a, a seventy plus million people in this country that believe that the FBI is involved in trafficking kids, most of those people also believe that the election was stolen from them in twenty twenty. So they have no ballot box, and they also have no judicial, uh, you know, ways of of recompense. It's like, all right, well then you know what comes next, and it ain't pretty. Yeah, it, it's like they want people to be in despair. It's like they want people to be demoralized. And yes, I, and I they think, do. And I think that's the the larger kind of takeaway here. I wanna I, I wanna ask you later on in the broadcast what are some of the biggest white pills uh, you see. Uh, but but before getting into that, continuing on with this conversation with uh, you know the, the Epstein saga, for me personally, I, I don't think it's just them kind of bragging that they could do and get away with whatever they want. I I, I think there is an internal blackmail operation happening right now against the Clinton. I think the Clintons have a lot of institutionalized power in the the documents. We have Bill Clinton walking into the offices of Vanity Fair and saying, hey, those children you interviewed that were raped on that island, that you have documents, that you have testimonies from, yeah, you're not going to tell anybody about that. And Vanity Fair said, yes, sir, you got it. No problem at all. When it came to the Hunter Biden laptop story, when it came to a lot of significant stories that would have made a major impact on the last presidential election, those stories were suppressed. Those stories were censored. Those stories, the intel agencies went out of their way to go to social media and said, shut up, you're going to do as you're told. And they did exactly that. Yep. That's levels of, of power that is that is terrifying. But, but what I think is more concisely happening here with these documents from this 2017 court case being released right now is the Clintons realizing Biden's weak. We, this is our opportunity. This is Hillary Clinton's possible chance here. And I see 
another faction, maybe the, the Obama faction coming in and saying, you know what? No, Miss Clinton, you're not going to get your person in there. You're not going to get your candidate in there. You're not going to get in there. We're going to get our person in there. So I see this as kind of an internal uh, fight within the Democratic establishment, essentially throwing the Clintons under the bus because they're named here significantly as we are highlighting a Daily Mail article specifically with Bill Clinton d- ditching Secret Service, going to his house, flying on his private jet, and uh, you know being accused of doing some really awful, horrible things as as Bill Clinton. He's he's not known for, uh, you know, uh, abstinence. He's not known for keeping it in the pants, okay? Um, and then there was another very interesting article even asserting that Monica Lewinsky was a part of a larger kind of Israeli intelligence operation in order to extort information against the former president of the United States. I don't know if you've seen that one, I, Clint. I, I sure did. Uh, but but th- those assertions do kind of add up with how things work in Washington, D.C. as it's a dirty game, and they do some really awful, horrible stuff to get compromise on individuals, to blackmail them. I think this blackmail is being used against the Clintons right now, and there's there's a bigger, deeper, darker force out there who's going to be stepping into that position and the, the role of influence that they had that's more than what they have, which includes controlling the media. Well, what's amazing to me is that, and I, I agree with you guys, they're trying to dispirit us, and, and you know, I think that's why we've suffered under so many psychological operations in recent memory, uh, probably lower level ones my entire life, but very viciously so over the past three years. But what's what's remarkable to me is the the hubris that it requires to think that you're going to not enforce child protection laws amongst a nation that is the most heavily armed on earth. That's fucking wild. I mean, if you if you actually think that like because we have I think it's over like a half a billion firearms in this country, probably a lot more with 3D printing. That's fucking incredible that that there's so little concern. There's so little fear of the American people. And let me be very clear. I'm not advocating for violence. I'm a very peaceful person. But it's just it's just demonst- it's uh, demonstrative of like how overly confident these people are that they're like, yeah, well, yeah, sure. We, we had a, a child sex trafficking ring. It's, uh, you know, three letter agencies are all over it. And uh, and the, the lead guy after we we covered for him uh, decades prior and then we murdered him in prison in federal prison, and then we just fucking told you that the cameras didn't work and the guards were asleep, and you're going to have to just suck it up, and you're sitting there amongst your arsenal on your wall, and you're like, really? <laughs> this is what y'all think of me? It's just, it's incredible disrespect. But I, th- I think that is exactly right. So, like, during the, the COVID stuff, I'm sure they didn't think that they'd get away with half of those things. Right. Because none of them made sense. They obviously didn't do any good. There's no health difference in places that did them and places that didn't. But I think it accumulates. They think sh- I think some of them might be surprised at what they're getting away with. Right. I, I would have thought they were going to rebel on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And they're like, I, we I, messed I, their toddlers, I, for God's sake. I, I, yeah, I mean, w- we are threatening you with immediate personal and professional destruction mm-hmm. if you don't take that shot. And somebody has got to resist that. And it just does. So, yeah. so yeah, so that just accumulates. So that's, the th- that's, for me, the black pill, which is... Well, then what's their next thing going to be if if we sat back and let the last seventeen things happen, including the Epstein thing? Yep. Well, and I, uh, Clinton, I've, if you can't stop stop hitting the table because it's reverberating oh, uh, through apologies. the microphone. But but yeah yeah yeah, Tom, what, what you describe in in your book, I I think is a perfect representation of the system. Just seeing how far they could push it with people, and I think that's exactly what they did with COVID, what they did with the vaccines, what they did with the lockdowns. But it all happened under the Trump administration, which brings a very interesting mm. kind of quagmire in this uh, political discourse. Because I'm I'm even going as far as to say, hey, Trump gets gets elected. There's no reason why Bill Gates and Doctor. 
Fauci and uh, Peter Daszak and the CIA won't just release another bioweapon. Why wouldn't they? Because they were able to successfully use it under Trump. Trump's still kind of playing the game. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that I personally fear myself. That's my black pill. Well, this is why Luke and I have been so aggressive in our interviews with Vivek in the past. It's like, and then why I'm way more optimistic about Vivek than I am Trump. At least Vivek's willing to acknowledge like, yeah, I got it wrong in 2020. Uh, but Fauci is clearly responsible in, in some aspect of the funding of the origin of this thing. And the, who knows if the leak was accidental, but it certainly looks as if it probably wasn't. And it's like, all right, well, then you're being real, at least at least rhetorically. I don't know if you'll be real when you're in power. Trump is not even being real about what fucking happened. And it happened under his watch. Yeah. Like, so why should I have any faith? Oh, and, and not to mention, I mean, it is really, really dirty pool for Trump to say something like... Um, uh, I saved millions of people's lives. Well, there's that. But also to say that uh, he he was repeating an MSNBC talking point that Florida was third worst on COVID. It was not. What a fucking joke. That is absolutely false. And so, and then, then he, on his Truth Social, he like retweeted or whatever the expression is, an article by MSNBC saying, well, here's what was wrong with Florida's response. And it's all like Fauci talking points. So like, what, have you learned nothing? I, I mean, so... That's extremely irritating. Now, a white pill, though, is that, you know, I'm sure in 2019 I knew that public health was probably a crock, but I I never really looked into it. Now you can't even say the words public health without people snickering because we all know that these are people with, you know, with clipboards and with totalitarian brains. (laughs) And if ever they ever get asked a tough question, they don't know how to answer it. So, So you ask, oh, my gosh, have you ever saw this guy, Andy Slavitt? Mm-hmm. He was a White House COVID advisor, and they asked him, you know, this is MSNBC even asked him, you know, we're looking at California and Florida, and the numbers seem about the same, but like California has snuffed out all joy, and Florida is basically open. How do you account for that? And, his, and I thought, oh, somebody asked the question. Right. Uh, what's his answer? Here we go. Here we go. And his answer was, well, you know, there are some things about this virus that continue to surprise us, and we think we understand it, and we don't. However, what we do know is, Masking works, and it was the whole thing again. So, <laughs> good, good lord. So that, so that all, that all that stuff. I know we want to start on when we tell people stories about COVID. We want to start on chapter thirty-seven. You know, all the terrible people who are in charge around the world. But the thing is, most normies are still on chapter one, and we have to start where they are. And where they are is there are still hundreds of millions who think that this was just a matter of the public health people doing their best to help us out in a tough time. The first thing has to be, you have to show that it didn't do any good. Nothing they did, they didn't save one life. Nothing they did did any good, and we can show you that it didn't do good. So that's the diary of a psychosis, it's about that. It didn't do a bit of good. Then you can start talking to them about, now why would they, why would something like this happen? Why do you think? But the first, because we all know we got the morality play, right? If you were a good person, you wouldn't get COVID if you were a good person, right. if you were following the rules like we told you to. It was, if, you it was, are, if you were protesting uh, for Black Lives Matter, you were safe A-okay. from getting sick. Yeah. You're protesting b- the big Danny state government locking you down. You're going to get sick. You're going to get COVID. That's literal arguments that they were making that yeah. were absolutely deranged that had no basis in science or actuality of, of current events that we were going through. That's that's how stupid they thought you were. And I the would, things they would predict that did not happen. So it was, oh my gosh, The View. I have never watched The View. I've only seen seen it in clips <laughs> but joy reed said to fauci you know college football starting up and the stadium's full and i think covid's gonna have a feast what do you think and he says oh i agree 
even the Today Show made fun of him for that and said, well, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The numbers just kept falling. So then they find, then they asked Fauci. Fauci got one tough question in the whole, the whole three years or whatever. <laughs> one tough question, MSNBC. They said, well, Texas has opened up for a while and they seem to be doing fine. How do you account for that? And I am not kidding you. I, I have a video up at diaryofcovid.com where I put my favorite dumb answers by these people. And, and his answer was, maybe, I'm, I, quote, Maybe they're doing things outdoors. So they brought the whole state outdoor. That must be, he has no answer. <laughs> so all I wanted them to say was kind of what Andy Slavitt was crawling toward. I just wanted to hear somebody say, you know, we really don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Here. You know, this is really beyond our abilities. But they, in, in Japan, they did admit that. You would occasionally get a professor who would say, you know, even the experts don't understand why Japan's doing so well when we have so many old people. We didn't really have a lockdown. Nobody really gets it. You know, just just that's all I wanted to hear. Can't get that. Yep. Because the, the 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 guys with the clipboards, they know everything. Well, Eric Eric Weinstein was on uh, with Tucker two days ago. Fantastic interview. Um, his his analysis, he's a biologist, his his analysis of this, uh, very concise, but they're they're alleging, or at least there's some some people of of the real expert class, not this bullshit fake Fauci expert class, that think there's the potential that the vaccines took 17 million lives. I saw that. Uh, I I still am of the opinion that that's probably overstating it, but when you offset it versus the lives saved from the vaccine, or or you know the lives that were also lost from the the protocols when it came to depression and suicide and drug addiction and everything else, it's like it's just so crystal clear that. Every everything that the people in our camp were saying in the early days about how we're just we're just going to have to live with this, just let it let it burn through society, and ultimately, if you try and lock down the economy, you will create way more uh, you know knock on effects that are way more catastrophic. Everything we said was right, and all of the experts that that you know preached to us from their moral high horse were dead wrong and criminally so. And that's why the figure that really matters is all cause mortality, exactly. excess deaths. Because then you don't have to argue about how do we code a COVID death if, right. you know, we know how to do that. And then it also includes all these collateral deaths that you're talking about. And when you look at that, you find two, two facts that are the only facts you need to know. There are only two facts you need to know. And no matter how many times your friends come at you, you just throw them right back. And fact number one is that California and Florida, when you adjust for age, because there's a thousandfold mortality difference... When you adjust for age, California did worse in all-cause mortality than Florida. So all that bullshit was for nothing. Yep. And so, for instance, I was in California in 2021 briefly, and I took my, my daughter. It's a long story. I was with my daughter, and so we went to a drive-in movie. Those were still allowed because you're in your car. But <laughs> the Department of Health said no double features. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was a rule. What the hell difference does it make? You're in your car. Or, if you or, watch two movies, you're going to die. When they reopened Disney... With 15% capacity, I kid you not, they, they instituted a rule, you can't scream on the rides. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. As yep. if that's a voluntary thing that you scream <laughs> on the ride, you know? Like, so you, so you get oh, all that stuff. Man. But so they, they ended up doing worse. But the second fact is you remember, I mean, there are two countries I like to talk about, Japan and Sweden. So Japan was one thing. Japan, they, they, it was like if you read the Western press, it was like they were licking their chops. They couldn't wait for a big wave to hit Japan because these SOBs aren't listening to uh, the PhDs in the West and they're going to get what's coming to them good and hard. And they didn't. 
And this, like, it's like they want, it's like they wanted yeah. death. It's like these are sick, sick uh, people. It's, it's like they worship death and, and yeah, try yeah, to sacrifice right. so, children course, at the altar of, of exactly. Moloch there. I remember confronting Gavin Newsom a couple weeks ago, and I was like, how does it feel that you implemented so many failed policies and led to so much tremendous human suffering under COVID? Yeah. And then he spat it off some kind of, but per capita and statistics, and then I'm like, yeah. and he literally ran away. Yeah, and his, he like, would. his he like would. protection literally like pushed well, me out, the, made sure I couldn't get near him after that question. The big the big one, of course, we all know the case of Sweden. And so that's the, the second fact is the Sweden thing. So they were screaming, Sweden's going to get what's coming. And, and even Trump said, oh, you know, Sweden's going to regret they didn't lock down. So it was predicted that by June, there'd be 96,000 COVID deaths in Sweden. There were 4,000. All right, so you're off by a factor of 24. All right, <laughs> typical for the public health establishment. By the time this whole thing was over, when you look at all-cause mortality, in all of Europe, which country did the best? It was Sweden. Anybody apologize? Anybody say, gee, maybe I didn't understand what was going on. Maybe I'm a tyrant. Maybe I should shut up as a penalty for this. I should shut my mouth for five years. Nope. No one ever says that, nope. by the way. No and, one ever says and, that. And, and, or, or maybe I should be held accountable for lying through my teeth. Yes. And maybe I should lose all legitimacy <laughs> right. and, and not have any right. freaking yeah, uh, credibility They don't want to do that either. And they yeah. don't do that the, either. the important thing to add here, too, is that this is not a, this is not a one-to-one decision-making process. The people who advocated on behalf of everything wrong that didn't keep people alive, didn't save lives, nothing like that, they also violated your fundamental God-given rights. So, like, if you're going to opt for that path, you better be fucking certain that you're going to actually save some lives. Yeah, yeah. But if you fail in that and you've violated all of the constitutions or any sort of government documents all over the world, just it, like basically all of democratic, uh, you know, liberal values and free speech, right to protest and uh, bodily autonomy, everything was thrown out the window. For what? For more people to die. And no one goes to prison for that? You got to be fucking kidding yeah, me. It's, it's more than that. They, they killed people. They yeah. literally destroyed people's lives. Took away their money and, and murdered people uh, in many different ways, including the, the first kind of medical response that they had to all of this, including, of course, post afterwards with the vaccine, including, uh, of course, all the depressions, all the suicides, all, all the life that was just sucked out of this entire world because of these insane, draconian, big state nanny bureaucratic policies that amounted to the government saying, fuck you, you're our slave. And I think, you know, it is a major black pill to understand what just happened within the last three years to how people caved, how people bet the knee to the establishment, but it's also kind of a, a white pill a little bit to understand how many people woke up, how many people are, are, are questioning their doctors now, how yeah. many people are questioning the government, how many people are just pissed off and understand that shit can hit the fan at any moment, at any time, and all I got is myself to, to look after because the government's going to fail us time in and time again. So that that's my, my white pill. I wanted to remind people, if you want to call in, go to the Telegram channel on LukeUnfiltered.com. We're going to be taking callers in just a little bit we have some super chats that i wanted to read here excuse me rumble rants and mysuperchats.com uh one from painted bird saying tom woods is my lesbian lover i don't know if if that's okay painted bird whatever that means Kirk Carzy boo says what are your thoughts on rfk having former cia officer a mirrorless fox as his campaign manager you guys have to get on eric hunley and mark Gubert of American Untold Stories. Mark has a lot of thoughts on RFK Jr. Run uh, hurting Trump more than the Dems. Um, that's an interesting uh, mysuperchat.com. I don't know if you have anything to say about that, uh, Tom, or well, not. Only that I've, in terms of the polls that I've seen, they generally run the other way, that he, he seems to uh, slightly 
But what was what was the claim? Does he hurt that, Trump that, more? That that, that uh, some people say he helps Trump. Some people say he I've hurts seen Trump. only the number. Yeah. I've seen only the numbers that he that he helps Trump. Um, it, it is interesting to see his kind of campaign uh, stuff. You got to do the buttons to kind of switch switch up differently. A lot of people have, have been questioning his recent statements, especially on the conflict in the Middle East. Yeah, and uh, some people are even speculating that there might even be compromise on RFK Jr. Which, if there is, holy cow, the system really has things uh, under locked, to say the least. Here, yeah, yeah. that yeah. definitely uh, hurt some of his support. I mean, the, the oh, people yeah. were disavowing him. Like crazy. Yeah, Dennis Kucinich, who was his campaign manager, literally yeah. dropped out of his campaign. And Dennis is uh, an awesome he, you know, human being, yeah. someone that I personally know and worked with before. And I got nothing but good things to say about him. And his leaving of the RFK campaign was uh, pretty telling. We have a, a, an interesting comment from uh, RFK Jr. Uh, when he was on Newsmax, re- Newsmax recently. We also have some interesting comments from Vivek that could be more potential white pills for everyone out there, as it looks like uh, this kind of uh, crazy uh, ideas of, of libertarianism and, and anarchy are uh, kind of becoming more popular than ever, I think, especially after COVID. Here's a clip of RFK Jr. and his comments on Newsmax, which I think are worth paying attention to. I'm a libertarian. I, I think I gravitate towards you, RFK Jr., because a lot of the things you're talking are speaking right to me. I'm a, I, I, I don't like the far left, and I don't like the far right either. There's a middle ground here, and that's not, you, you call yourself independent, but it might, might be libertarian, no? I've always thought of myself as a libertarian on many issues. I believe in freedom. My father, my uncle taught me. The reason American capitalism prevailed around the world before we turned it into corporate crony capitalism was because of the freedom. That's what gives us an advantage elsewhere in the world, and it liberates the human spirit. It liberates us to fulfill our own potential, to be the people that we want to be. Oh, now you're now you're a libertarian <laughs> after you, you try to ban guns and, and, and arrest <laughs> climate change critics. Now you're seeing the light, RFK Jr.? Took you long enough. Um, and then, of course, we have these comments from Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, which definitely resonated with a lot of people. Personally, me. Uh, I'll just be biased here. I'm very biased. This this comment resonated with me and also highlights the larger kind of uh, shifting um, uh, political landscape that we're all living under. The FBI, it's been rotten since its inception, and it was designed to actually be rotten to its core. And so what you see today isn't any surprise. It isn't a deviation from the purpose of the institution. It's actually an instantiation of the purpose of the institution. You cannot reform it. Forget about building the new building. Of course, that's a, that's a, that's a waste of time itself. You have to shut it down. I don't think we need an FBI. In fact, I think we patently need to not have an FBI. Yeah. Chainsaw first would bring the chisel after that. I'm going to make Javier Malay, I believe, look like a modern. I love Javier Malay. I think he's awesome. I've been following his campaign for a long time. We're going to put that on steroids in the United States of America. I, I, I want to know, and this is the question that I'm going to ask Vivek when we embed with his campaign in just a few days from now. How in the world are you going to make Javier Milley <laughs> look like a moderate? Uh, and if you're able to do that, you, you, I'll be frank. You got my support here. Um, yep. uh, Vivek is, is, is absolutely surprising a lot of people. Donald Trump told everyone that the FBI needs a brand new spanking building. Vivek said uh, the FBI needs to be dismantled. I'm more with the dismantling of the FBI than giving them a new building. I don't know what you guys think. Well, you know, it reminds me when um, uh, maybe it was a year ago that RFK had uh, a meal with Ron DeSantis, and this was private. But what came out of it was that 
they were talking about the public health agencies, and DeSantis was saying, I just want to shut these down. And RFK was saying, look, you know, they do a lot of damage and they've been captured by the corporate interests, but I think I can put better people in there. And I just feel like, I just think we've tried to put better people in their thing, you know, for, for, just, for way too long. But, but Clint, as you said earlier, regardless of the sincerity of, of these people, because sometimes people question that, is Vivek uh, sincere? Is RFK sincere? The very fact that they think it's to their benefit to talk like this means something has happened. Yep. At the very least, it means we could be the swing that makes the difference between a respectable showing or you know, third place rather than fourth, second right. rather than third. Well, whether, whether or not that's true, they think it is. And that's amazing. Yeah. Because we have always been... We snookered them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just because, the, I mean, we've always been perceived to be this kind of irrelevant voting block, but also the people that get blamed for everything yeah. somehow. Even uh, though our policies are never implemented, right, we right. take the blame for everything. Yeah. But the, the entire downfall of the GOP is, is a product of them embracing libertarian values. It's like... But you, you, you haven't. You yeah, haven't I, fucking I, I, embraced any of that? our values. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it's a really good sign, and it, and it does make me very optimistic. But what it proves is that in times of tyranny, in times of totalitarianism, liberty, libertarianism, and anarchism all start to sound more appealing. The, the question I would have for RFK, and I wish he had been uh, pushed back on this, is like, okay, I have always believed in freedom. Okay, then like, why are there areas I in your life where... You, you just discard that belief. Like why? And and I'm sure he has. There's examples of places where like freedom, just the broad term freedom, it it, it runs afoul of other people's freedoms. Okay, then we can have a conversation about that. Uh, but then that just comes down to really libertarian argumentation of non-aggression. So it's like I just don't understand how people can can see the value. Like freedom has a very good. Uh, you know, rating in America. Like if you just use that word on the on the campaign trail, people will always, almost always universally respond positively to it. But in terms of governance, they very rarely implement it. And I'm just curious as to like why? Why why do you not why do you not actually like extrapolate these ideas? If you can see the value here, why can't you see it here? Why are you such a fucking you know dictator when it comes to economics? It's just fascinating to me. It's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens in Argentina. I, I think that this this kind of um, election in Latin America also was a big shock to a lot of people. A lot of people are paying attention to it, and it, it's really going to be extremely telling because a guy with a freaking chainsaw promising to, to cut out big government from your life literally won a national election in a major country. So a that's, lot of people question so, his yeah. foreign policy. But again, Argentina's foreign policy is not that uh, instrumental on the world stage. Uh, but but if, if you look at you know what, what's going to be happening there, it's going to be very interesting, especially when it comes to implementing the dollar and um, and implementing a lot of the policies. We have some rubble rants that I wanted sure, to, sure. Okay. to go off. We've got one from Chrism saying, Luke literally sells masks on his website. And then you say you, you have we have another rumble rant saying it's all about the money take the mask off your your site uh no i'm going to link the site right now on the bestpoliticalshirts.com you should go there right now and check out the amazing shirts uh mask i think we had one mask that said uh, this is retarded uh and, and again there's some people that that make an argument for facial recognition whatever it may be i'm a pure capitalist okay the bestpoliticalshirts.com you get anything and everything we have joe biden sniffing your feet snot socks 
available on the best political shirt. That doesn't mean you support Joe Biden. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We have a shirt that says uh, old white guy and cop 2024. <laughs> uh, okay, we, we have Biden Fetterman shirt. We have a lot. We have Helen Keller's Asayop shirts. We have it all. You name it. We got it. We have Disney saying that the COVID vaccine makes you gay. Literally, Mickey Mouse right here as the Disney patent went, went out. We took full advantage of it. And now, yes, you could get uh, the COVID vaccine makes you gay officially stated not by me Mickey, Mickey Mouse Mickey Mouse said it himself um, and we Steve can officially Willie, we, can, we, should, we could officially say that we got another super chat here by Buck Wayne saying blackmail bureaucrats buffoons build back better by bringing bigger bribes before bumbling brain dead Biden blows Barack's Baphomet bribe <laughs> bargain the big Mike maneuver there you go oh. that's a that's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful rumble rant from Buck Wayne. Uh, Shouts out to uh, Buck Wayne from that. We got another one from Chloe Fist. Luke, are you familiar with Frazzle Drip? Yep. Hillary Clinton cutting face off nine-year-old girl on the ISIL for adrenochrome. Do you think it's true? I don't know. I haven't seen anything. Clint says he, he thinks uh, he I'm does. No, I'm familiar with the meme. Uh, I've never seen the video. I, a lot of people swear up and down that they've seen it. I've never actually known anybody that, that like has that I know well that can tell me like, yeah, I actually saw that. I honestly believe that happened. I tend to believe that like if these people are at the highest rungs of power, they're probably not going to video it and have that be released. But Anything's possible. These people fucking blow up children all over the world. Of course they could do something crazy like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Chrism's mad at me again. Uh, he gave another rumble rant. You want to give more rumble rants? Be mad at me. Sure. I'll, I'll take them. During COVID, Luke should have joined the protest rather than complaining behind the screen and selling masks. He should have encouraged people to fight back like many of us. He did. We held the line. Uh, and again, uh, no, whatever. whatever. We, got, we got a bunch of other super chats and mysuperchats.com. One from GC saying, Mark Marxist ideology has made its way through institutions, now infecting the deepest pockets of money management. Now we have the left projecting violence and insurrection on the right. Will we see real insurrection on the left if Trump wins? That's a very interesting question, as, of course, Trump's administration was plagued by a lot of very crazy violent protests that the federal government did very little about to stop as the national media spurred it on. And CNN and MSNBC literally were applauding and calling it uh, the you know mostly peaceful protest as entire cities were burnt down. Well, but the question is, yeah. is up to you guys. No, it's a, it's a really important question. And I think that the, the problem is that on the right, as Biden just described in detail yesterday, they protested, they got too rowdy, they get, they get thrown away for a thousand years. The left got treated with kid gloves when they were flipping their fucking, you know, their lid over the George Floyd stuff. So they, the precedent has been set that the left, if they lose their shit, it's done in righteous fury. If the right loses their shit, well, they're just fucking brain dead, conspiracy theorists, idiot, racist, bigots, blah, blah, blah. So they should go to prison forever. The left, the, the precedent being set that they can get away with this, I think that, and, and also being, you know, propagandized to think that Trump is like literally Hitler. Yeah, they're going to feel totally, you know, righteous in, in revolting violently. So I, I am very concerned that if he if he manages to win somehow, that they go absolutely ballistic. And with the funding and approval of the FBI who wants to undermine his presidency, they would view it as a punishment. You are not entitled to peace and stability for what you did. Exactly. All you're going to have is this over and over. And because they, they you want, voted wrong. That's right. So they want you to associate in your mind, if I vote for anybody who's remotely dissident, I'm going to get my country burned down every single day for four years. Maybe I don't want to do that anymore. Bingo. 
I think that's exactly right. We have uh, other uh, mysuperchats.com from Charles Chukowski. You gave a really, uh, you gave three. You gave three really long ones. I'm just going to try to read it off as quick as I can. Uh, you said, quote, people are talking about civil war. I see this as a symptom and just a small piece of an overall Marxist-rooted revolution. What are your thoughts on this? Could we pull of Could we pull off having a complete separation of cities to states as a possible relief valve? That's a very interesting question. As a lot of what happened under the Chinese Cultural Revolution is very similar to what's happening now. I want to leave the question to you guys. Do you think a peaceful divorce is something that is plausible? As, of course, this is something that I've been bringing up uh, many, many years ago. Um, the first the first ever episode I did on TimCast where a guest canceled and I just kind of randomly stumbled in there. The first thing I said was we need memes and we need something like a, a, a divorce to uh, ease a lot of the tensions between the Republicans and Democrats conservatives and the liberals obviously we have a lot of memes but we we haven't had a release valve of pressure and i think uh it's boiling over to the point where something like um you know uh separating might be the best thing to avoid less harm to everyone i'll I'll leave it to the to the man who wrote the book on it well nationaldivorce.com not only did i write the book on i give it away for free Yep. You know, here we, here we which, go. Which tells tells you everything you need to know about how he's advocating for it. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, do you think it's? I I, I think all of, all of us in this room, to a large extent, believe that that's the the best path if we want to not kill one another. Uh, but can it actually happen? Do you think? Well, uh, to say it can't happen is to say that Americans are uniquely savage and and they can't do this simple thing. Sweden. Well, if you and look no- at the Middle East, there there could be an argument made that we are uniquely you know, savage. No. <laughs> I, was, I was half thinking that as yeah, those yeah. words were coming out of my mouth. But when uh, look, I, thought, I don't think most people realize that a little over a hundred years ago, Norway and Sweden separated. Mm. You know, and we, we don't commemorate you know a zillion deaths or whatever. There's no reason it has to. In in the American experience, people associate secession with violence because it, it happened that way in our case. But there's no particular reason. All you're basically saying is, you see this political line that separates these two places. We're going to move it over here. I mean, that is all it is. I mean, that it's. I know it's a boogeyman. We're not supposed to use these words. And our third grade teacher said secession's a bad thing. I, I know. you got to get all that out of your head. Right. If the, if the New York Times says you're not allowed to think this way, you have to start thinking that way. Um, there, there is no institution of slavery to uphold. So how about we exactly. all, like, take a breath? So if, if the, Well, we do have taxation, and that's oh, a yeah, form of sorry, slavery. Good point. But <laughs> I mean, like, Vermont, there was a Vermont Republic movement. I don't know if it's still alive, but where, where there were some people who thought Vermont should be its own country. Now, are... Yes, it's possible that the U.S. government could actually roll the tanks into into Vermont, but but would they? I, I mean, don't know. M- maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But but the thing is, it would be very bad for public relations, right? Yes. You know, that we're, we're pro democracy, but we just steamrolled everybody in Vermont. I, I'm still of the opinion. People always talk about you know bifurcating, like we're going to have the Republicans and the Democrat states. I'm like, I need a third option. I need a th- that, that's uh, another please. problem with it. Is that yeah. is that I'm not fully one or the other. I'm, but the thing is, I'm so anti left that I can put up with right. the and I will fight against. The worst of the right stuff, sure. but at least I'll have a fighting chance. I mean, I'll, at least I'm with people who can stand the sight of me. Right, right, yeah. And don't think that you're like the devil <laughs> incarnate. It's so crazy. We got another uh, mysuperchat.com from Charles Chukowski saying, seeing the speed up of a populist movement, homeschooling increasing almost exponentially, of removing the damage of the progressive era 20th century, do you think we will see the freedoms of American liberty ideology win in the U.S. in our lifetime? 
It's a pretty good question. That is a good question. Maybe it might win in parts of the U.S. Yeah. along the lines of what we're talking about. I think they're doing, they're, they're trying their best at the Free State Project in, in New Hampshire. If you haven't heard of the Free State Project, those are great people. They are. And their argument is, we're not numerous enough to win the whole thing, but maybe we're numerous enough if we put our numbers together to go to one place right. and make that the best place yeah. we can make. That is a that is a purple state, and uh, they luckily have... Um, a, a Republican governor, but uh, a Republican governor that is endorsing, of course, Nikki Haley. But, yeah. but, but the, the, you know, uh, New Hampshire, highest uh, per capita ownership of machine guns, highest per capita Hell homeschooling. Yeah. And the, the New Hampshire House just passed uh, a ban on gen- gender affirming surgery for minors. So I think overall that's, that's, that's a win, especially when it comes to stopping the mutilation of small children and damaging them for the rest of their lives making them dependent on big pharma. So New Hampshire does a lot of really interesting things. Tim, uh, every time New Hampshire fails, Tim likes to just say, look, look how horrible New Hampshire is. Well, comparatively to places like Maryland, it is an absolutely incredible place that is filled with some really awesome people. And I would share your notions of the Free State Project that they do some really awesome things. If you have a family, if you're looking to meet some other like-minded individuals that do some really cool things, there's a lot of farms out there that actually provide really good, amazing uh, homegrown, organic, grass-fed beef and, and food and raw milk to individuals. If you're looking for a good community and you have a family, and if you don't mind freezing cold temperatures, you Hampshire is pretty freaking awesome. I, that was a sh- I, I love Florida. I love I love the warm weather. I love my Cubans who don't like communists. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, and um, I, I just love the beach. So uh, the first time I actually met you, Luke, was at Porkfest. Do you remember? Nope, I yeah. do not. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I figured as much. Uh, it was two or three years ago, and I and I came up as a fan of yours, and I was like, "What's up, dude?" <laughs> what, like, how, how did I, how did I respond? You were like, "Whatever, bro. Get the fuck out of my face." <laughs> uh, you're like, "You're like, I'm so fucking cool, and I don't know who you are. Get out of here." Come on. I'm kidding. It was uh, you were somewhat cordial. Um, same as today. Anyways, I uh, yeah, I, love- I I don't change. I let people know exactly. <laughs> I'm a- who, who the, what do you want? What do you want from me? All right. What, okay. You actually, you had Atlas with you. It was the first time I met her. Um, all right. So I think that the, the, real, the real value in the Free State Project is not just, you know, a, a bastion of human liberty, but rather a, a testing ground by which we might demonstrate the value of our ideas. And, and I think that's, that's what makes me hopeful is that if the Free State Project can thrive uh, will survive and then thrive. Uh, I think that that will give other states uh, and other you know attempts at kind of enclaves of freedom in America a real chance of success. And not to mention a community. Yeah, you know, I have actually had people come to some of my big events who say to me, "I have never," and I, say, I can't believe this. I have never in my life met somebody in person who agrees with me. <laughs> never I, until I got into this world. I'd say thing. Yeah. yeah, and so, but if you go, but if you move to New Hampshire, you have a built-in community of people yeah. who, when you move in, they're going to help you unload your stuff. Like they're thrilled to have yeah. you, and, and they have awesome events too. The events they do are really have fun great to be events. A part of, and, and so you don't have to feel like because sometimes you can be demoralized. You feel ground down. You feel isolated. Like when we didn't get that red wave in 2022, I wanted the red wave not because the Republican Party is the greatest thing in the world, but because those governors who did that to us during COVID had to pay. Mm -hmm. They needed to pay. And when they didn't, that was demoralizing. But you can't can't be demoralized and frustrated and sad and 
angry all the time. I mean, it's just, that's no way to live. I mean, you, you, you have to recharge and you can do that much more easily when you're surrounded by people who like you. Facts. And, and, and exactly. We got to have a lot more white pills and then just black pills. We got another super chat from Krinsman. Thank you, Krinsman, for all your super chats. Really appreciate it. It kind of goes along with the conversation that we're having now. He says, this is a global conflict and the right has failed on packaging a product for the rest of the world to follow. For us to win, we need to uh, package an ideology that can be resold to gain worldwide support what would be that ideology well I think non-intervention I think that 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 is actually extraordinarily appealing to a huge portion of the rest of the world but I'll say this I don't really give a fuck what the rest of the world thinks about what we're doing in this country. I think that the problem is that we have been the policemen of the world. We have extraordinary problems domestically, including our our national debt, which doesn't get nearly enough conversation. And if we don't basically you know, withdraw and, and focus on remedying what ails at home, then the, then we're going to end up in catastrophe that the rest of the world is going to have to deal with regardless. So it, it's it's now or never as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we got another. I, I think uh, the non-aggression principle, it's a great principle that we should just follow. You know, yeah. you know, hurting people, stealing people, it, it's not a good ideology. It's not good juju. It's not good karma. It's not good energy, all right? And, and respecting people and their differences and uh, respecting people that, that don't hurt other people, that's a good thing. Hurting people, bad. I would, I would just simplify it that way. And, and I think if we really kind of approached politics from that kind of point of view, um, that kind of larger understanding that we got to be the best versions of ourselves. We can't be dependent on a government. We can't be dependent on a big pharma. We can't be dependent on industries that have been corrupted by big government and centralized controllers. We have to be independent. We have to be small. We have to be local. We have to homeschool. We have to do small things and actions that actually make a big difference in the world. We have to go to Rumble instead of YouTube. We have to go to the local farm instead of Walmart. We have to support businesses that actually do really awesome, cool things instead of businesses that actually enslave us and try to sell us demonic ideas and demoralize us. Yes, that's a simple protocol of us taking action that doesn't involve any kind of fight, doesn't involve any kind of conflict, but ends almost 99% of the bullshit that we have to freaking deal with. And it starts with you making a smart decision. So shouts out to everyone on Rumble. We have 6,127 people watching. That's freaking awesome. That's that's something that that is incredible. Shouts out to Rumble. Shouts out to all of you for voting with your clicks, voting with your dollars. There's a reason we have another hour of this broadcast on Rumble and on, on YouTube. Again, we just kind of slowly get started. We try to reach the Kyles. We try to reach the Karens, but Rumble is really where it's at. So if you haven't uh, subscribed yet, subscribe. Again, 100,000, Clint gets tasered. Uh, it's going to be really fun. It's the whole show, two hours. Clint volunteered to be tasered for two hours. Quarter, so. quarter million followers? I choked the life out of Luke. No, no. Qu uh, no, no. 200,000, I get tasered. 100,000, Clint gets tasered. Uh, we, got the, we got the taser right here. It's all, it's all ready to go. You know, uh, just <laughs> It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really great. Oh, okay, let me, so, let me, wait, we got another mysuperchat.com right, uh, from Charles Chukowski saying, do you think China will invade Taiwan April, May of this year? And if they do, do you think these millions of military-aged males will be activated domestically here? Thanks for having legendary Tom Woods on. Thank you, Charles uh, Chukowski, for your uh, mysuperchat.com. It means a lot to us. I, I personally don't think so. The, there is, I, I've looked into this quite a bit. And the real like reason that they want Taiwan is because of these this advanced semiconductor production facilities. But the reality is that the the Taiwanese are capable of self sabotaging. 
so and and also it's an island. So how the fuck are you going to invade an island and not use artillery? And if you use artillery, it defeats the purpose of taking it over because you want these facilities to be intact. But you also need the the labor force, which are the only people that know how to work it. So what are you going to do? Blow them up? You're going to blow up the facilities and and the people? And then like why? And then also you risk World War Three on top of it. It's just to me uh, the incentive is is misaligned when you have a tremendous amount of capacity to apply pressure. Why not just do that, force them to trade with you, you know, and that's it. I'm persuaded. Okay. I, I actually had not thought of that particular point. Yeah. Well, I know the whole semiconductor thing, and Vivek talks about that. Right. Well, the, actually, the reason I deep dove it is because when I had Vivek on Liberty Lockdown, I was I was very concerned about his perspective on this, that, you know, we have to stand with Taiwan. Sure, we'll, we'll divest. We'll, we'll start to, you know, break away from China. We're going to, we'll, we'll create the type of facilities that exist in Taiwan. It's like, all right, well, then the answer is to do that. Just fucking do that. We don't we don't have any reason to risk World War Three with 1.4 billion people and 300 plus advanced nuclear warheads. What are we even talking about? You can't have a hot war between China and America. It's like the end of civilization. So I, we're going to do that over fucking semiconductors. Like, what are we talking and, about? By the way, the China issue goes to show that we have we still have some work to do with the America first. Indeed, because a lot of them will will be pretty hawkish on China. Yeah. You think, oh, gosh, everything you just said about why we shouldn't act like this applies to everything you just said about yeah. China. But for some reason, uh, you know, in fairness, I think that there there are some differences in terms of, like, China's economic, uh, you know, in influence on the world, and, and there's, there's reasons to treat them differently from Russia, but the principle shouldn't shift. Yeah. The principle of free trade and, and trying to find peaceful solutions to this stuff ought to be, uh, you know, the principle that stays true throughout. Absolutely. Tom, um, what are some of the biggest white pills that you see in 2024? What are your white pill predictions? Uh, well, I can say white, white pill predictions. I don't know about that, but I, I do have some white pills. So one of them you said earlier, which is that, I mean, here we, we live in this society where, I mean, I, sometimes we don't stop and think how twisted it is that you can't really trust what your doctor tells you. You can't trust what the news reporter tells you. You can't trust your kid's fourth grade teacher. You can't, I mean, it, it just, the list just goes on and on. And, and so you realize, holy cow, the whole society is at war with me. I mean, what am I supposed... I mean, we've just kind of rolled with the punches, you know? But it's hard to know how to, how to deal with that. But we now have a world where people are more skeptical. They're using... You can, you can find alternative health telehealth services... Uh, we have more people who are asking questions about vaccines. Just asking them, at least asking them, which, you're, which you weren't allowed to do. The public health establishment has never been at a lower uh, level of approval than, than uh, before. And then some of the most important voices we have are, are generating some of the largest audience results. Big time. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an incredible thing. Who would have thought that an alternative voice like a, a Joe Rogan would absolutely swamp CNN's numbers. I mean, some, uh, seriously, we would have laughed at that 15 by, years ago, 10 by, years by ago. 25x? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not slightly. No, right? no, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a total, it's a total wipeout. I couldn't agree more. I, just a, a quick story that I have to tell before we get out of here. Uh, first mm -hmm. time I ever met Tom, uh, he, he was doing an event in, I think it was Los Angeles, and it was like during the heart of uh, of the lockdowns, and I drove up there, and you know he was one of the the rare sane voices in the wilderness. Oh yeah, we weren't allowed to have that event. It right. was a yeah, it was, it was like a speakeasy. In, event. Yeah, it was like a speakeasy. Yeah, and, and I I, I uh, he was selling some of his books. I, I walk up to get one signed, and and as you're signing it, I'm sure you don't remember this, just like Luke didn't, because you meet so many people. But did I, you? Did you? 
No, he doesn't. Uh, sorry, remember. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I no, love you, Clint. No, you're a great course, man. Of course, uh, really. No, who, who's, who's nicer, Clint? Me, me or Tom? Uh, Tom was definitely nicer, but it was because I was buying a book. It's because I was buying a book. Uh, yeah. But he signs it. You, and, you didn't buy. You didn't buy anything of mine. Yeah. Well, you didn't have anything to sell at the time. But uh, so, so I, I, I lean over to Tom as he's signing the book that I just bought, and I say, I say, Tom, you don't know me, but I just started a show two months ago, and uh, the name's Clint Russell. You'll be hearing from me soon. And it was so fucking deluded to say that at the time, uh, but to have you on my show today is a real honor. So. Uh, it feels it feels as if you know I've come full circle. Oh, you're a good man, and and I mean <laughs> I I I think it's incredible how you've just just grown so quickly. Well, God bless. And Luke you has guys, grown you know? very slowly, but grown <laughs> yeah. he has. Yeah. Hey, it's not a joke. I've been in this for like twenty years. I so. know. I remember yeah, 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 you yeah. and a camera going yeah. all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so, uh, so when I, I held yeah. this illegal event in California. You know, now I feel like I have a little bit of street cred with old Luke here. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. I mean, it was such a cool thing because, like, the whole world had just lost its mind. And to beat a bunch of like-minded people at that event, it was like... That place was not ca- allowed to be open. Yeah. And they, they had had their liquor license taken away. They weren't allowed to... And we were ignoring that, yeah, too. Yeah, we were drinking. It and was I great. felt like, you know, I was the goody two-shoes nerd in high school, <laughs> yeah. but look at me now. No, no, we're the rebels, yeah. <laughs> so your book, Diary of uh, Psychosis, anything else you want to tell us about it? Uh, diaryofcovid.com diaryofcovid.com is the website where as I say I have the dumbest things these people said Uh, but I also put out a free companion book you get at diaryofcovid.com it's called Collateral Damage and it's a collection of stories from people who suffered at the hands of what they did and they weren't allowed to tell those stories because you're a grandma killer if you complain about the restrictions well they told their stories to me so that's also there at diaryofcovid.com Tom, this was uh, pretty interesting. This was a, a great show. Um, not Thank really you. a contentious show. I think we're pretty much in line with almost yeah, yeah. virtually everything. Um, anything you want to ask us before we go? Did your did your relatives in Poland ever tell you stories about life under communism? All the time. They yeah. won't stop. And I'm, I'm like, okay, let me listen. Let me write this down. Let me take a video camera. Um, and crazy, horrendous, wild, insane stories of like uncles getting tortured, being put in secret prisons for not having their documents together, crazy riots and crazy, insane activities. Some of the stuff I can't even say on camera wow. <laughs> because of uh, like legal liability for some of my family members. But wow. um, you know, my, my family uh, played a... You know, uh, a pretty pretty big role in the kind of solidarity movement, and um, yeah, communism is not cool. It's it's absolutely horrendous. It's absolutely horrible. And hearing the stories of my family kind of uh, uh, you know motivated me and shaped me to who I am today. And if it wasn't for their kind of struggles under communism and the Soviets and uh, the Ruskies, I definitely wouldn't be where I am right now, as, of course, a lot of them are telling me now that everything that they saw under communism is kind of coming back to the oh, Western man. world and being normalized, and uh, that's, that's fucked. Do you, so, do you think that's why you've been able to embrace anarchism, because of that upbringing? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. the, the Polish people, we don't like fascists, we don't like communists, we don't like the left, we don't like the right, <laughs> right and we don't right. like statism, we don't like any authoritarian coming in here kind of telling me how to live my frickin' life. Fuck you. I want to live my life <laughs> Like, I want to live my life, and no one's going to be dictating how I'm going to choose to live my life peacefully as long as I'm not hurting or violating anyone's kind of uh, liberties or freedoms myself. So Poland, uh, again, very crazy history, uh, lots of war, lots of uh, uh, like tumultuous 
countries invading, conquering, taking over, us fighting and, and taking over as well. And uh, the, the recent history, uh, especially with my grandmother, who's, who's still alive, by the way, her stories are absolutely crazy. She talks about, you know, the fascists coming in. She talks about the communists coming in. She thinks the communists were worse than the fascists. Um, and then statistically, you look at the numbers with how many uh, people were purged under Stalin. Those numbers do make sense to that larger kind of argument there. Um, and, uh, and, and again, when you have a people screwed over by right wing radicals and then left wing radicals, Fuck those ideologies. Those are ideologies worth failing. Those are ideologies that plagued and hurt my people. And I'm not a fan of any of them. That's why I lean more towards anarchy, total freedom, total liberty, less statism, uh, because statism literally kills people. So, Wow, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, that was really awesome. Uh, for the people watching, there's a lot of you guys. It's awesome to see the numbers that we're able to pull off here on Rumble. Way bigger than the numbers that we're able to pull off on YouTube. YouTube, we have nearly a million subscribers here. We don't even have 100,000, but we're, we're getting five times, six times more viewers on Rumble uh, than we are on YouTube. What is that to tell you? So, mm. shouts out to Rumble. If you are watching, subscribe. Again, 100K. Two hours, just Clint getting tasered. <laughs> two two hours. hours. Two hours. Yeah, that was the deal. That was the deal. That was the deal, Clint. I think I might have a heart attack. We have a, we'll, have, we'll have a medical professional on site. We'll have uh, a defibrillator uh, here on site. And, uh, you know, we'll make sure. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, have, we'll have you sign a long waiver beforehand yeah. just to make we're sure. We're also going to have to sign a contract yeah, before we the, the, <laughs> Making sure the best political show.com is, uh, you know, nah, it's, it's fine here. But 100K. Um, if, if it's a, not too far away. Yeah, it's not too far away at all. Like we're getting like three thousand subscribers every episode we did. Oh, we do. Uh, so that's Nuts. that's really awesome to see. Uh, again, signing up means a lot to to Rumble. So you guys signing up as an account really means a lot. Use a dummy email. Use a dummy phone. It doesn't matter. But you signing up, clicking the notification button, downloading the app really does matter. And we do appreciate Rumble for partnering with us, for working with us, for helping us getting our message out there to the general public. But more importantly, standing up to governments and fighting them when they literally come to them and say, hey, destroy this person's life. Rumble says, bug off. We're not going to do any of that. So shouts out to them. I want to be with them because they're the ones putting their money where their mouth is. YouTube is doing the exact opposite of that. So shouts out to Rumble. Subscribe. Click the notification button. It's more important than ever. Tom, if people want to check out more of your work, if people want to support you, where can they do that? TomWoods.com and listen to the Tom Woods Show, which has, I don't know how many episodes or whatever over the course of your life, but I'm almost at 2,500 episodes of the Tom Woods Show. That's insane. That is, that's incredible. You're up there with uh, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's at like 6,000 interviews. <laughs> like, I don't even want to talk to that guy. <laughs> uh, at Liberty Lockpot on X, uh, two quick plugs. I got Dave Smith on tonight. Uh, that'll probably be live on YouTube, but it may have to be deleted given you know where Dave and I usually take the conversation. But Dave Smith, along with Tom Woods and Scott Horton, are three of like my biggest influences. So the fact that I got to talk to two of them today and y'all get to to join along with me on that journey is really, really fulfilling and thrilling for me. Uh, so yeah, Liberty Lockdown, YouTube and Rumble tonight, 8.30, Dave Smith. And last but not least, LP Georgia. I will be uh, with my Tower Gang boys. We're going to be hosting or doing a first live Tower Gang show at an LP convention. I have no idea why they chose to do this, but it's the last week in January, lpga.org uh, or com, I forget which, but you can find tickets there. It'll probably sell out because it's going to be uh, one of the most ridiculous, legendary things to ever happen. So check us out. Steph. You can find me at Steph We Are Change. 
Uh, we got an, another very interesting chat from uh, one of the people in Rumble. Uh, it's a YouTube Ray Comfort who says, isn't the taser the defibrillator? Yeah, yeah, that, that works as well. So when my heart stops, you just hit me again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, he's like, Clint goes to sleep, Clint wakes up. Clint goes to sleep, Clint wakes up. Two hours, it's going to be awesome. Another Rumble rant from DJI82 saying, learned about ashwagandha here, started to take it 10 days ago. I'm surprised how it takes away my laziness. Everyone should look into it absolutely it's something that personally helped me we have uh we are change.shop i have the ashwagandha here the chill pill take the chill pill.com uh we are change.shop thank you so much for supporting us thank you so much for being here with us and again 100k we're not tell, tell your friends tell your family tell your mom tell your dad tell your brother tell your sister <laughs> tell the person working at the supermarket <laughs> subscribe please i can't please, tell you please, how much please <laughs> I can't Please. tell you how much I hate this marketing tactic, but hey. this is what we're doing. Yeah. So yeah. It works. I love you guys. Stay tuned for more here on the bestpoliticalshow.com. Peace.